0: Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm going to step away from the computer. I'll be back in just a minute and then I'll see if anybody else shows up. I'm glad you weren't confused about the times. I know that I made quite a few mistakes. We'll see you in a minute. It's okay. You're doing good today, Suresh? Oh, yeah. It's okay. How is everything where you're at? Is it opening back up any? Um,
1: no. Still, uh, we are under closed condition. Uh, it may take another uh, ten, 10 days to open the
0: organization. Yeah. You teach at a, a university level?
1: I teach to the um, guest lectures to the institution, those who are offering uh, short term courses. And uh, in our institution, also, some candidates are coming to our institute. And we give all the trainings, including practical theory, everything. Gotcha. Uh, in the meantime, I went to companies. And give the welding training by our instructor and myself. Yeah, it's uh, we are doing in both sides in industry and uh, institution.
0: Hey Calvin, how you doing? Good morning, Gerald,
2: or afternoon.
0: Yeah, afternoon. It'll be morning for some folks, I think.
2: Yeah, it will. I wanted to let you know um, I talked to our um, I was telling you, I talked to our skill or our uh, curriculum director, and they said if they can make it on, they'll try to uh, get on and uh, speak about the curriculum. Okay. So,
0: I said, if not, we can we can schedule something for later, and if they, if they okay. show up, we play it by ear. <clears throat> okay. want to say hi to everybody when they pop in but they put these abbreviated names i don't know what to say about them william i see william how are you william
3: how are you doing
0: good living the dream <laughs> How y'all doing, y'all? Y'all can unmute your microphones if you want to, and we can chat a little bit for a couple minutes. Oh,
4: hey guys!
0: Hey, hey now. Who who hadn't been to one of these meetings before? Anybody?
5: I uh, have not.
0: Okay, well, welcome. It's uh, it's not super structured, or uh, I guess I guess I could say it's not even organized real well sometimes, but it is what it is.
4: This is my first, Gerald.
0: Oh, is it? Okay. Welcome. We've been doing them them for a few weeks, and I enjoy them. It gives me my chance to run my mouth about welding for a little while. But I'm going to try to not run my mouth as much as I want to. Hey Michael, I see you're here. We'll we'll go ahead and get started here in just a few seconds, and then I will turn over the the control to you here in just a minute. That
6: sounds good.
0: Thank you. All right, so we'll go ahead and <clears throat> go ahead and get started. Uh, again, some of y'all haven't been here before. I imagine there'll be people popping in. If I could find the little button to turn that buzzer off, I would. Let's see here. Play enter exit chime. There we go. So so we've been having these meetings here for I think this is the fifth or sixth one. I can't remember now. I'd have to go back and look through my notes, uh, to allow some welding instructors to get together and talk about some different things. I know there's a lot of issues going on. Probably not as pressing now that it's the end of the end of the school year for a lot of us as it was a month or so ago. But hopefully we'll go over some information that may be helpful to you next year. Uh, Hopefully you may be interested enough to give old fat guy something to do over the summer, and we'll keep on having some meetings if you're interested. Uh, what we're going to do today, let's just go ahead and, if you haven't been here before, type your name in the chat box, if you don't mind, and just, just let us know that you're new. And if you want to, just take over the microphone, introduce yourself, say a little bit of stuff about yourself. and we'll. We We don't have quite as many people here today, and... Possibly just one presenter unless you hang out with me for a little while later and just get to know some folks. If you want to, if you want to say who you are, just jump in there. Don't be shy. All right. Well, I'll go through me once more. My name's Gerald Austin. I'm a welding instructor. Uh, depending who you ask. I'm a welder. also depends who you ask. I've been I've been in the industry for about 40 years, and I still haven't got the hang of it. I've gone back and forth between welding and teaching and, and CWI work, and I ain't great at any one of them, but uh, I do enjoy them all. Uh, something I like to tell folks, don't confuse my enthusiasm with skill or ability. Uh, just because I'm excited about it doesn't mean I'm any good at it, but I will share it with you. Uh, anybody else? I'm a, Oh, I'm in northeast Tennessee, northeast corner Tennessee, about a Hour east of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Anybody else? i T. <laughs> I'm not a football fan, so you know everybody always asks me that because I was in Mississippi before <laughs> and in Alabama, and just I, I just like to hit people when I played football. I didn't really care who got the ball; I didn't want somebody to hit me. Anybody else?
4: Yeah, this is my first time. Appreciate you, Gerald, for doing uh, doing these meetings. And it's always good to get like-minded people on the same conversation. Uh, I'm a CWI, CWE, uh, 25 years, work for our Coastal Marine Products. And we've got plants all across the United States. And uh, my main office is right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Glad to be here. Cool.
0: You guys do any training in-house? Yes, we do. Not that we're going to throw you out if you wasn't associated with education, but
4: we might make That's all we do that time. every day. <laughs> Anybody else?
0: I'm Kurt Wilms, uh, vocational welding instructor at Fountain Central High School. Where's that located?
4: Uh, Petersburg, Indiana.
0: Cool. How long you been teaching high school?
4: Uh, six years.
0: Cool. I'm a newbie. I just started high school this year, so I'm i'm new to it anybody else can anybody hear me yeah a little muffled okay um my name is jack holly i'm a welding instructor in wabash indiana for a high school vocational school Um, 19 years really there's someone i can pick your brain (laughs) maybe (laughs)
3: yeah
0: anybody else want to say hi Hi, my name is Brad Hoda from uh, Marion, Indiana. I've been teaching uh, um, welding for juniors and seniors at MRCC for 15 years. Wow. And a Hobart graduate, too. And a Hobart graduate, too. You had to throw that in there, didn't you? (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. We'll talk later, and you can tell me all the negative stuff about it so I can pass it on to my students. I've got (laughs) pros and cons of both. I've had students go from – also Welding School, Hobart, Ivy Tech, or community college around here. So, I mean, yes. I can give you my opinion, and that's all it is. Yeah, the thing about that, and I think I might have talked about in a previous meeting, you know, there's very few people that have been to multiple organizations training. And even if they have, it's always going to be <clears throat> skewed because they've already had some prior training before they got there. You know, because you hear people talk about it for CWI training, who's his best and that kind of stuff and you don't have the same perception as somebody that's just come off doing nothing related, going to training, as opposed to someone that's actually been to two or three courses. But even then, when you've been to two or three courses, you've got a different background on each one of them, so. Anybody else want to tell us about yourself? Huh? And like I said, put your information in the chat, and in the chat box will be something you can save there. In the meeting, especially if you want to contact somebody, you've got a question for somebody, I think I've got it set where you can send a chat message directly to somebody else if you've got a question for them or hear them say something and, and we'll go ahead and get started. Let's see here, click the old screen, got that. So the hello we've done, uh, the presentation we're going to have, we're going to kind of start off with it at the beginning, uh, is from Cengage Learning and if some of you I think may have been to Uh, some of the well-dead meetings they may have already presented there I don't know but Cengage makes you know makes quite a few textbooks they've got a pretty uh, pretty interesting look on the online setup and and I'm definitely considering it myself and let me Larry Jeffus, who writes one of the books is on the phone right now so he may be trying to get in hey there Mr. Jeffus. how are you doing Let me send you send you the actual link here. Just a second, y'all. We've started the meeting, but we haven't really started started. (laughs) You should be getting the link here in just a second. You You should be able to just click on that. You won't need a meeting ID or password or anything. All right, take care. Bye. Sorry about that. I'm back. So, again, we're going to have Cengage do a little presentation on what they've got. Uh, that was Larry Jeffers, who's is one of the authors of some of their books. Maybe worthwhile to get some uh, information from him, maybe ask him a couple questions. Then we're going to go over the Well Dead meeting. I'm going to go to a slide that's got the link for it. It's the actual meeting that they will have tomorrow. If you're interested in going, I got permission from them to share the link with you. So you can copy it, I'll put it in the chat meeting, and if you want to get that meeting, I believe it's at time tomorrow. That's some pretty good, good topics. Uh, a little bit more organized than I am, and, and pretty good, pretty good detail. On some things. You can go check in on. Someone's got their mic on, and I think it's just giving a little feedback if you can turn it off. That'll help some. Uh, Next part is, like, where is your pain? Just a general discussion so we can kind of talk back and forth. If you've got something that you might need some help with, I'm not going to go over everything that we've gone over in the past. You know, I I did ask for some feedback from some folks uh, on a feedback form, and and looking at that, there was some mention of of some folks being long-winded pretty sure I know who they were talking about. So uh, we'll try to try to move through the meeting fairly quick and let some other folks talk besides just me. And then the last part there is, uh, there there were some tools that I discovered that can make some online content and uh, that can be downloaded as what's called SCORM packages, if you're familiar with that, LTI objects, or just standalone HTML5 presentations. Uh, and if you're interested, when we get to the end of it, we'll stay around. I can kind of show you how those work a little bit, but I'm I'm not expert. I just found them, you know, two of those three last week. But they may be something something of interest to you. Let me check the chat box and see if anybody said something specific real quick, and then we'll move move on. And I'll give control to send Are you there, Michael? I'm here. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to you. Uh, I don't have admin rights uh, as far as being able to let you share your screen, but I can not make you the presenter for some reason or make you the host. So, if you like, I'll go ahead and turn the host over to you. Yeah, that's fine. And you can share your screen, and we'll, we'll move on. All right. If you have any questions put them in the chat box and then I will uh, you know because because Michael will be doing the presentation I will uh, when we get to the end of it we'll go through those real quick. All
6: right Gerald thank you uh, for having me here uh, my name is Michael Gasparic I'm with uh, National Geographic Learning Cengage I'm the rep in the state of Tennessee I cover our k-12 products for uh, um, in, in Tennessee. So, uh, Gerald, we had a conversation a few weeks ago about uh, our digital platform, just because of the situation the schools are in now with uh, with distance learning and, and not really knowing what's going to look like going forward, especially for the fall in some areas. Uh, so that's going to be the, the, the main point of my presentation. It's kind of our digital product that goes along with the welding book. I'm not going to get into the welding book as much um, if Uh, You all need at some point need samples. I'm going to give the digital access logins to uh, Gerald. He can post on his website. If you want something customized for your school or your district, um, let me know. I can get you in touch with the rep that covers your state. I heard there's a few from Indiana. So wherever you're at, we can get you set up. But um, we do have a a new edition of uh, Jeff's Welding Principles and Application. That's the book there. You can all see my screen, right? Yep. Okay. Um, It's the ninth edition, it's coming out. Um, I think the print edition might be available, the digital is a little bit behind. But you can see the pricing here, and we can customize a package to your specific needs. If you want print only, digital only, or a combination of both, uh, we could set you up with six year access, one year access, if you go one year at a time. Uh, But it'll give your students the full um, uh, book online, along with all the other capabilities, like your simulation station, which we'll touch on a little bit too. Access, we can set it up through um, your LMS if we wanna go that route. Um, anything that's LTI compliant, we can do a, a full integration with, we can do partial integrations, we can set it up through one, wasp- one, one roster, um, or even just uh, self-registration. That's one of the easiest easiest ways to go too. So we'll customize a package with you, we'll help you get everything up and running as you go. Um, so that's just a little bit of information about how uh, the ISBNs and the pricing. Uh, simulation Station is um, a website we have set up for a lot of our CTE product. Uh, we have a lot of simulations that go along with these. So I'll start out with—I can't get into it in the actual ebook; um, it'll take a little bit too much t- time. But I want to show you the uh, video, kind of an overview of it. So this is the trade side of our Simulation Station. You can see all what's available there. And if we go into our welding, do you have a question, Joe? We're not seeing you. Oh, you not seeing it? Okay, let's see here.
5: Now, Gerald, you
6: seen it now?
0: Yeah, we're seen
6: it. Okay, perfect. So, if I click on a welding section, I'm going to play a short video for y'all.
0: Is there audio
6: with it, too? Not hearing the audio?
0: Not not well, but that's okay.
6: All right. Let me try one more thing, then.
7: Welcome to the virtual welding shop. Is that better? This video is a guided walkthrough to familiarize you with the virtual welding shop. The welding table and other equipment found in a welder's workshop are present on the main screen. All the tools needed for welding are present in the horizontal panel in the bottom of the screen. You may click on the arrows pointing to either side of the tool panel to navigate left or right. You are expected to execute the welding process by adopting the right procedures, following proper safety precautions, choosing the right equipment, and selecting the proper settings. At any time when you are working in this environment, you can click on this icon to see a summary of the activity you are expected to do. If you want to refer to the blueprint, you may click on this icon. You may use the close icon to go back to the virtual environment. Clicking on the video icon will play this walkthrough video. Clicking on the audio icon repeats the last audio. You can switch the display of closed captioning on or off by clicking this icon. A chart of welding symbols is found on the wall of the welding shop. If you want to refer to the welding symbols at any time while working in the simulation, you can click and open the welding chart. Clicking the close button takes you back to the simulation. To select a tool, you can drag and drop that tool onto the welding table. To select equipment or a gadget from the workshop, You may use your mouse to click on it, if using a computer, or use a finger gesture, if on a tablet device. Your score increases with every activity you complete correctly. You will need to score at least 50% to clear the level. You will be prompted to retake the module if you do not score a passing minimum. Your score will be determined by your answers and responses to the questions, and the choices you make on the various tasks in this module. Upon completion of the questions, you can view your scorecard and proceed to the next module. A detailed progress report of your performance will be provided once you finish all three modules. Good luck.
6: So that was just a, a quick overview of kind of what the simulations entail, um, and. If you decide to get into the trial account on your own, you can also get in there and kind of play around with them. I'll show you exactly where those are at. Um, here's the information for the trial account, which um, Gerald's free to post on his website. I think it expires uh, around the end of July. If we get into the portal. This is a sign-on link. If not, it's nglsync.engage.com. It'll take you directly to the login page. If for some reason you get stuck and you go to the find your school page, it's not going to be the school you teach at. We would just type in trial account. It'll auto populate and we'll go from there. And then you have uh, your login. More than one person could be in at a time, so the, the five should be plenty. And then all the passwords are welcome one. So this takes us to which would be the teacher dashboard, any courses you have to be listed here. This is the new book in the bottom. The content's not loaded into our demo account yet, so I'm gonna go into the eighth edition. But a few things you know, one is the Cognero tab.
0: Michael, your audio's fading in and out. I'm not sure if you're moving away from a mic or back, but I wanted to let you know. Okay.
6: So Cognero is basically uh, exam view. If you've all used the uh, exam view CD-ROM in the past, um it's all online now so this is basically what your exam you used to be the instructor companion link this is the online resources for the instructor Um, so you can see all the resources available to you to use within your class would be stored right here Um, some of the editions do have some print resources um it just depends on the specific and each book is different as far as what's loaded into the teacher companion site but you can get into all these links here and kind of see, uh, play around and see what's available for you to use. Um, and if we launch course, this will take us directly into our MindTap platform. So MindTap it was a higher ed um, uh, digital product which we rolled down into the nine twelve market a few years back have a student that's take, uh, taking uh, this course in MindTap and either goes to a community college uh, or, or, or university and they take a Cengage course, it will be the same platform. So they'll be pretty familiar with um, how to navigate the, the platform. Uh, this, student, this view here is the teacher view. The student view looks exactly the same, except it, students don't have the ability to add, create, edit, show, hidden. Um, and over here for you, it would be your class averages, would just be their scores. Um, everything they do uh, as far as assignments within MindTap is pre-graded and thrown into that gradebook for you, um, which you could either upload into your LMS or if we integrated, be fully integrated with your LMS system. Uh, to start out, here's a simulation reference guide. So this is going to tell us what chapters do have the simulations. So those are the simulations that are in, uh, in, uh, embedded in MindTap for this particular book. And then as we go through, you see the different folders. Uh, The first few over and over here is the number of activities in each folder. So the SB2 welding bundle, um, a lot of safety um, material here for the students to go through to learn and actually uh, uh, be on to make sure they completely understand. But your first two folders are gonna be those SB2 folders. And then after that, we're getting into the textbook. Um, If we click on each individual one, What's loaded into that section? Each section is a little bit different. You can see section one has two chapters and some videos, section, section two has four chapters in the videos. And as we get into each individual chapter, those are going to be laid out pretty much the same. You're going to have uh, the first section, you're going to have a PowerPoint review, you'll have a reading, and then so you can see the this one, chapter two, is laid out the same way. So the feel of it. As you navigate through it, it'll be pretty consistent from uh, the section to um, section. I'm going to get into a reading and kind of show you some of the features and benefits that are loaded in there uh, for you and the students.
0: Hey, Michael, I want to let you know your audio was going in and out. I don't know if you heard me before.
6: Okay, I'm going to I'm going to grab my headphones real quick and see if that helps. Give me one second. Cheryl? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, so uh, this is actual uh, part of the text within the particular ebook. Um, a few of the features and benefits, one is the read-speak.
8: Welding defined. A weld is defined by the American Welding System.
6: So if we hit it up here, it's going to start at the beginning of the book. We do also have the ability to highlight a particular section of text and read that individual text alone.
8: Enough heat is applied to raise the temperature high enough to cause softening or melting and the pieces float.
6: And you see it highlights as it goes and it it tracks the word as it reads too. Um, Over on the side in the toolbar, there's a read speaker icon. If we open up that app, that'll allow the student (laughs) to adjust the reading speed and also the voice to kind of customize it to their needs. You can uh, adjust the font size. You can bookmark pages. You can also print pages. And as we go through, if we highlight or uh, click and highlight, then you'll have the ability to highlight individual text. These four uh, colors here, you have, the student has, if you do any highlighting in those colors, it's saved in your particular ebook. As the instructor, if you save in the orange with the arrow, all of that gets pushed out to your students when they log in. So as you're going through highlighting in orange, anytime they log in, that'll be available for them right there. You can also take a note within the book. If you just hit save, it'll save and only be available to you in your account when you log in. Um, If we hit the share button, that save will also share out with um, that note will share out with your students as well. So when they log in, they'll see those notes. So a great resource for you to be able to go in, highlight important parts of the text, um, take notes for the students on uh, important parts of the text that'll, text that'll be there, um, that'll be um, on the test or on the quiz. So all of these notes and highlights are also stored over here in our app in our study hub. So it puts everything in one spot for the students. So as they're getting ready to study for the test, they can go, instead of going page by page, they can go through here, click notes and highlights. Everything that they've done will be saved right there for them. So they could print it out from here. They could look at it on their phone while they're waiting for the bus or, or, or whatever it might be or um, waiting for, the, for <clears throat> um, when, when, they're, when they're doing their studying. Um, if they click on one of those links, there's a blue uh, arrow. That'll take them back directly to that page as well. and any pages they bookmark would be housed there too. So that's over there in the app bar. There are also built-in flashcards. So there are flashcards that are already created, loaded into the book. The students and you, the teacher, can also uh, create customized flashcards to be added to the deck. So a few other features that you can do as the teacher to really customize the book you have this pencil icon, which will turn on edit mode. You've noticed some little plus marks pull up now within the book. So if we click a plus mark, uh, this allows you to add content directly to the book. So if there's resources you've been using for years to teach your course, it allows you to embed them directly into the ebook, into the learning path as the student logs in, they'll see it right away. So you could add from Google Drive, you could add a web video search, you could create a new assignment embed it directly into the text, pull from Microsoft OneDrive, whatever it is that you might be using. So, we'll do a web video search real quick. Just a quick search for welding. And whichever one it might be you want to add, you would click it, hit continue. You could put a text before and also a text after the video. Hit continue, and there it is loaded directly into the learning path. So whether it be a document, a PDF, a spreadsheet, whatever it might be, you can load it in directly into the learning path. So as we go through here, you see there are some that are going to be count towards a grade, and one some are just going to be practice. So all that we can edit as well. So if we turn on the edit feature, you can see any activity we have open, there's the edit. So if you teach things in different orders, in a different order than what's in the textbook, it'll allow you to rearrange chapters and rearrange content. You could change titles, you could add descriptions, you could add start and due dates, and then here's where you'd be able to move the content around uh, to suit your particular needs. And when we get into a test or a quiz, it gives us some additional edit, edit activities. And each assignment is gonna be a little different as far as what features you can edit and what there is that you can do. So here it allows us to, um, it's default as homework, we could, uh, as for the assignments, we could do unlimited takes, uh, grading, we can change the score, questions, We can regenerate in an algorithmic questions, we could shuffle questions, check their work. So a lot of options for you to do when you're actually going through and creating your course within MindTap. It also gives you ability to, to hide content. So you could hide individually, one by one, or if we came through and clicked the boxes, we could do a batch action and hide chapters at a time so if you only want students to work to be able to view what chapter you're working in in that particular time and not work ahead and go forward you can hide them you can only make them available on certain dates as well if you wish so if we go into chapter three you can see at the bottom of this one there is the simulation station So we'll start the assignment. And for the shielded metal arc welding, you have module one, module two, module three. Um, When you log in, you just click on one of these to play the video and you can kind of walk yourself through the whole simulation process. Kind of like they showed within the particular video that we watched at the beginning there. You also have the ability to add and create your own activities, your own units, or your own folders. Um, so when you're adding that, um, those, those customized resources that you've been using, you could either put it directly into the learning path or kind of create your own with, with uh, that feature there. So over on the toolbar to kind of walk you through here, this is where you would log into Google Drive or OneDrive to be able to access your resources to embed into the, um, into the learning path. My notes is uh, linked with Evernote, which is a free app. I know it's used in the higher ed market quite a bit. Um, But if any of your students use Evernote, they could um, link it to their MindTap accounts. You can set up your RSS feed. You've got a full glossary. In this app, this will allow you to create kind of a career portfolio. So anything that the student's working on, they can throw into their portfolio, whether it be a resume, certifications they earn, um, and that they can use um, when going to apply for a job. They're gonna have all of their uh, resources all in one spot saved in that particular app form. There is also a full ebook. Instead of the ebook that's over on the left, kind of broken up into chunks, this will look just like the print textbook and they can go through it's not going to have the questions and the quizzes in this part this is going to be more for uh for reading study hub we talked on the read speak app we talked down talked about uh the see now the homework app this is another resource for you to use to be able to um, customize and put questions and embed it directly into the learning path for, for the students which will be pre-graded for you the sp2 app which connects to these two first folders uh, in the learning path. Here's your flashcard app and then down at the bottom is our progress app. So we don't have students, so I'm going to go into the sample report. So the overview tab is going to go through by chapter and by section. It's going to give you an overall average score number of submitted, we could be able to click on each one of those links to drill down directly into that activity. The analytics tab uh, is going to give us a good overview for each student, kind of where they're at. Each one of these dots would be a student. It would allow you to click on that dot and drill down uh, into the student's um, results and activities. And um, this is basically an engagement level, so it's going to measure their scores, how long they are spent in the course, number of logins and activities they've accessed. Um, So it'll really let you know if the student's really not logging in, spending the time they need to within the particular uh, assignments and chapters. Then you have your overall gradebook. Very similar. It's going to measure that score, engagement level, time of course, logins, and activities. You can go through, click uh, by activity, and uh, drill in a little bit deeper. And then your categories as well allow you to customize the names of the categories. Um, the weightings in each category, and then if you create any um, additional activities, this is where you'd uh, put that weight and um, the name of it. <clears throat> so that's kind of a an overview of the MindTap platform. So if you do log in through the demo account, you kind of have an idea as far as where everything is and kind of how to access everything. If you log in, feel free to play around with it, mess around with it, move things around if you want to. Play with adding uh, resources in, you're not going to hurt anything, um, but that's kind of why we set it up for you all to be able to use it. Uh, any questions at all?
0: I didn't see any come up in the chat box, so I get to ask mine first.
6: <clears throat>
0: does the, the reading that you were going through earlier, does that that works on a PC and a mobile device?
6: Yes, yeah,
0: and, exactly. And the yep. students access and everything through the internet, so it doesn't really make a difference on the device, correct?
6: Right. Yeah. So it, it it's accessible on an, on any device. Um, there is a MindTap app as well. So it'll kind of format it to uh, to the device that they're on. Um, they can download um, parts of the of the full book. So if they need to read offline, um, they can do that. I just wouldn't recommend downing the whole ebook. It'll probably eat up their whole, all their data or all their yeah. memory. Yeah. They are very um,
0: data sensitive.
6: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and. Wherever they have internet access, they'd be able to access it.
0: Yeah. All right. Another one. Another one that I had was uh, the $135 fee for the seat. Does that that includes the simulations? Basically, everything that you've shown is correct.
6: Yep. Every, everything that's in there is automatic. It comes with it exactly. Okay. Yep. Um, and, and one 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 thing too, I, I didn't mention when I was talking about the access points. So we don't do deal with codes anymore. It's a seat license. So say you buy 25 seats with that six-year digital access. You'll have 20, 25 seats per year for six years. So, 25 times 135 would be your upfront cost, but you'd have those seats for, for six years. If a student drops out, transfers, moves, whatever it might be, that seat becomes available again. So, you would have 24 seats and one empty. So, that and you can transfer in another student to, to use up that seat. If you teach it twice a year in the spring, in the fall and spring, you'll have your 25 students at the beginning of the year. They'll transfer out, and then when your spring course starts up, you, you load your new 25 students in.
0: So that seat can be reset, like all their information that they put in for their, for yeah. their personal use or yeah. their notes? Exactly, yeah, that,
6: okay. exactly, and that's all dependent upon how you um, get the digital material delivered to you, whether it's self-registration or um, one roster we would just roster a new student in or they'd self-register in so okay
0: yeah. so so we have to send it to you to get that done yeah. it's not something the instructor can take care of
6: no you either or okay yeah either or yep
0: and another question uh you had m- mentioned interfacing with other programs does it work single sign-on mm-hmm.
6: yeah so uh like through blackboard are you talking about an lms
0: yeah, well,
6: yeah 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 so there's um like i think five or six lms we do a full integration with which means they would go into, say, Canvas, log in through Canvas. Their grades would report back to Canvas. That would be a full integration. Um, but yeah, the, the, we could do the single sign-on, whether through there whether through, um, I know Clever is another one we do, do a single sign-on with. So it's going to be a case-by-case, depending on what system your school uses. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll work with you to get that all set up and, and up and running.
9: Hey Mike, I got a question as far as this, uh, the classes. Do they have, like, an archive? Where you can go back and pull up maybe some prior year grades or st- students. Um,
6: uh, it's it's not saved on our end. So if if you did integrate with one of your operate LMS systems at your school, I'm sure those LMS systems would be able to go back. But we wouldn't be able to go back on our end and pull up grades.
9: Okay, and with the quizzes, that's all uh, that's given an, uh are, there pre, are they preset? Or can we go
6: in and change some of the questions around? Or um, you can't change questions on the quizzes, but you can create your own as well. Okay. So we went into this Chapter Nine quiz here. We could adjust how many attempts, um, how long that we would give them per stuff like that. You can you can adjust, but um, the quizzes that are set up directly in here aren't custom customizable. But you can add your own if you wish. Okay.
0: Can you, can you, can you draw, could you create your own quiz using the questions that already exist from a question bank or would you have to mm-hmm. make enter your own? Yeah.
6: Questions? No, a combination you could do okay. either. So that, that would be through the Now app. You could use what's in there or a combination of creating some of your own questions as well through there or through Cognero would be the other one. Okay.
0: Anybody else have
4: any questions? Yeah, Michael, how many, current institutions are utilizing uh this online education um
6: i don't have an exact number per for the for the nation but um are you looking at more at higher ed or kind of a 912 would you say
4: either either, either, one. either
6: or um i think in higher ed i think there's like 2 million 2.5 million users somewhere around there um, in our 912 market, I don't, I, I don't really have a number on the 912 market. I know in Tennessee, um, there's like 147 districts. I probably have, probably about close to half of those use it in some fashion, in some subject area, because this is the same platform that we have for social studies, for science, um, not really some math, a little bit of our math use it. So it's, it's, it's across multiple. Um, subject areas as well, so not just CTE or just welding.
4: Okay. I didn't know how hard it was for the educational systems in, in any state mm-hmm. to uh, accept or not accept uh, their training curriculum and where that data comes from and the training comes from. I know some states like Tennessee, they recognize the, what the NCCER and AWS. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll give an option of the institution to pick which one they want Okay. Not holding them to one or the other because they're similar content and they're valuable. So, I didn't know how that compared to where this system played in Tennessee's educational system.
6: Yeah, I mean, the the this is just the our company's platform that we use. So it's not um, the the platform's not aligned with any other organization. The content might be aligned with some with other organizations, but the platform is our platform. How we present it to our customers and use. <laughs>
4: Okay. I would like to talk to you some more after, after this. I'm actually on the Governor's Advisory Council for Advanced Manufacturing for Tennessee. Okay. okay. So what we do is we literally review all the educational materials all across the state of Tennessee to make sure they're still relevant mm-hmm. to what the industry needs based yeah. on what the educational system is teaching. So I would like to speak some more. Yeah, perfect. Um, and
6: here's my email address down at the bottom if you want to jot it down real quick. Um, just shoot me an email and I'll, I'll, I'll call you back from there. Um, but yeah, that'd be great.
10: I'd love
0: love to be involved with that if that's at all possible, because, uh,
6: I'd, I'd love to discuss
0: the curriculum and the requirements in Tennessee, but you know, I have looked at the textbook, our TCAT here uses that textbook for the night class, which they come in right after us. And that's one of the reasons I'm considering swapping it over Not only because of the quality of the book, but also because it would, it would be easier to align for dual enrollment students. But, but as far as the sense alignment goes, it's the content that's in those books covers the, the body of knowledge that someone will need to know to pass the AWS sense exams when on they're online. You know, the sense program doesn't require that you use a specific curriculum. It requires specific objectives being met. So, And the, the book, from what I've seen, covers it and more.
10: Uh, can I make a comment? Yep. Yeah. Am I on? Yes, you're on, Larry. Okay, I didn't get a box up here. Uh, A couple things. One, I'm the author of this book, along with several others, and uh, Jared has my contact information. I freely pass it out to anyone who would like it. Uh, My home phone, my home address, my cell phone, my personal email. I have passed out for years, and I found it very beneficial. Uh, If you want to Write down my email. It's pretty simple. It's just like my name, Larry at Jeffers.org. Uh, and as far as the state, I have been to South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, I've worked on Idaho and Utah, state adoptions and Texas. And so if you feel that any input from my, from me would be beneficial, just let me know. Uh, I'd be happy to do what I can and, and even come up. I always like, like to get back to Tennessee. Uh, graduate with the U- U- University of. Uh, so, you know, the, the, those are available. As far as alignment goes, uh, this is the only book that has the authority of the AWS to carry the AWS logo and the Sense logo on the cover. Uh, they've allow that because I do meet all of their requirements for their sense program. Uh, and as far as availability, uh, Gerald and I have talked several times this week. Uh, and so you know, I'm always happy to, to visit with instructors and help you with any, anything that you might feel that I can help you with your students or your program.
4: I know that the state of Tennessee is their one of their main focus is that whatever's being taught is that student can come out with some type of certification or credentials right that would help them possibly get employment over someone that did not have that credential or certification
10: All right that 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 came out of the Department of Education a number of years ago and virtually every state has that now mm-hmm. uh, that a student has to have a third-party certification on their abilities, and that's what the SENSE program offers.
4: Yeah, what the argument is at these board meetings has always been where does that certification come from and does it make a difference on where it comes from and the associated cost of a school system to pay for that certification if there is one attached.
10: And, and unfortunately, that's, that's that's an issue across the country. I've been 36 states and six foreign countries in the last four years visiting welding programs. This year, I was in Memphis visiting a program already uh, and got shut down with the virus, had to come home. Uh, But I visited schools in Florida, uh, Tennessee, and uh, that's 2020. Last year, I visited schools in, uh, I guess, Washington State, uh new hampshire massachusetts north carolina south carolina georgia florida missouri and some others i don't remember i travel a lot one of the you know one of the requirements that that
0: that we have is it's optional It either either sense or the aws certified welder either one of those two meet the requirements i believe based on the standards and you know the, the question about whether one is better or which one's better and accepted by industry is, is one has been out there for a long time. You know, you can find different articles on sense versus this and that and the other. But the the thing about it is, is oftentimes industry itself doesn't know what a certification is. Uh, you know, I, I deal with, we're going to become an ATF here in Greenville. I've already got the, the information turned into AWS. We're just, we're going to actually have our audit this month. But it got canceled for over 19 But <clears throat> industry itself doesn't necessarily even understand what a an industry certificate is for, for welding for the most part. You know, the, the sense program in my book, there's a there's a knowledge factor. They've got to pass a written exam. And they also have to do a skills test. If AWS certified welder, they do not have to, be able to demonstrate any knowledge whatsoever. They can just show up, fill up a groove passes, bends, and they're an AWS certified welder. Both of them sound, you know, sound like an industry certificate. One of them, the person demonstrated skills and knowledge. The other one, the person just demonstrated skills. So there's a difference in the programs, but they're covered in both of ours. But this book wouldn't help necessarily with somebody wanting to become the AWS certified welder because it's skill-based only. It would help, okay, because there's some really good, on-hand demonstrations in there and, and the way that it's addressed compared to many textbooks.
3: <clears throat>
0: but it would definitely be a tremendous asset for meeting the requirements of the sense online written written computer-based tests. It, it looks like it's a pretty good one.
2: Well, one thing also, Gerald, they also have to remember is there's a difference between a qualification and a certification too. Once I, yes. put,
0: my, once I put my signature on it, it becomes a certification. You know that's 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 the yeah, once my signature goes saying that somebody did something, I've certified that they that they did it a certain way, but it's definitely. A, but again, within industry, there there's definitely some confusion there.
10: Within your region, your your reputation, your program reputation carries more weight than certifications. If you say a student has got the skills, you know industry. Um, um, knowing the program and knowing your graduates uh, works out s- significantly uh, uh, in, the, in your benefit. So being involved in AWS and being involved with local industry is, I, I found tremendously helpful over the years.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> I suggest to my students that they don't bring up certifications necessarily other than putting them on their resume but don't make that the primary part of their their interview process for instance you know write it on there it's just a resume item uh you know i've been a cwi for 40 years i'm looking for work for the summer or not cwi i've been a welder for 40 years a cwi since 1990 nobody's beating my door now to come hire me because of a piece of paper i've still got to go out there and knock on doors and and you know find people that are interested in me doing something for them and if i was to go get a job as a Twenty dollar an hour welder over the summer. It's probably best for me not to flash on my certifications because those those probably won't help. Those would be things that would even be a negative, possibly for some potential employers. So it's it's kind of a funny game, the credentialing game.
3: I'm done.
0: Uh, Anybody else have any questions for? For Larry, or for Michael, I mean, this is it's a great opportunity. I got to speak with Larry yesterday, and one of the reasons that I do this meeting is because I'm really interested in the information that other welding instructors have. And we we talked for I don't know, probably close to an hour, maybe more. You and, uh, and it was it was it was definitely good to to be able to listen to someone else's opinion for sure.
10: Uh, one thing is, you know, I, I'm a retired welding instructor, but I am a welder. I weld on a regular basis now. I do fabrication and agricultural uh, welding on, on a regular basis. Uh, it's the only way to stay current. So it's not just a matter of talking about it. Uh, I've been in the trenches. Uh, I've laid down in the mud and run a uh, root pass on a six-inch piece of pipe. Uh, muddy, cold, wet. And nasty work at times, but very profitable.
4: Hey, Larry, I did have one other question in your in your book. How much does it cover PQRs and WPSs and the development of just welding procedures? How much does it? I I have
10: an entire section on that, and in the ninth edition, uh, I've changed all of the welding practices to a format where you have the material, the process, the amperage all laid out much like you would have at the beginning of a uh, BQR uh, okay. laid out. And so instead of the narrative form in the eighth edition, these are all tables uh, for the student to go through. But uh, the uh, welding procedure, uh, where the A numbers, the F numbers and uh, metal and all of that, those are all laid out in a, in a chapter for, for the student to go through and fill out. And then there are sample forms. And then there, uh, and I forget the chapter. Uh, I just finished writing questions. And I'm sorry, which I don't remember the chapter, but the student will go through and, and establish the welding procedure. They'll, they'll turn the, the machine on, they'll set it in, in mid range, and then they'll <laughs> lower the voltage, for example, until, you you don't have an acceptable weld, then they'll raise the voltage, then they'll change the wire feed speed and they'll do the same thing. So what they're doing is establishing the parameters that you would have. So whenever you see a a welding procedure specification, it says this voltage to this voltage and this amperage to this amperage or wire feed speed to this wire feed, whatever, however they put it in, that's established. Um, I had the opportunity to go through the High-Speed Rail Research Center in Chengdu, China, two years ago, as they are establishing the welding procedure for 309 stainless, uh, three-quarter inch, that'll be used underneath the carriages of high-speed rail uh, trains. And, and watching them make the short weld, using a robot, change procedure, change a parameter, make a weld, 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 make a weld cut all of that out and check it. And that's exactly what the student has an opportunity to see, not only what they are, how they are able to write one, but to create one from their own activities. Does that answer your question?
4: Yeah, that's that's good that you have that in the book. And the reason I ask is I go across and I get to visit a lot of educational institutions all across the United States, and most recently, Louisiana and Tennessee. and. We look at what Gerald's doing and they want to become an ATF and the requirements. And when you go in and you ask them for an amp and volt meter, you want to calibrate their machine and they don't have an amp and volt meter. And so then I'm, you know, this is an educational institution. And and then it goes back to what type of student are we seeing that go into the workforce that don't, don't understand, uh, being able to set a machine properly to a welding procedure. How many tests, uh, or how many students go in to take a test to a manufacturer, and the first thing they do is, is go strike an arc instead of asking for the welding procedure you would like me to perform to and being able to get all the correct data off the, off the weld procedure. Today, that, it just doesn't happen. And I see that all across, uh, like I said, Louisiana. I visited four facilities in Louisiana, and not one facility had a welding procedure anywhere in the school. So I'm wondering where the, where the disconnect is. And I mean, welding procedures are the foundation of a good quality sound weld. Do we all agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So if, a, if an instructor doesn't know what a welding procedure is and isn't teaching to one, what are they teaching? Well, you know, that, that one's kind of odd because, you know, I've, as, a, as a CWI, I've done quite a
0: few industry audits and surveys of fabricators, and they don't do it either. I've I've, I've been into probably more than a half a dozen fab shops that were doing AISC work that had all their paperwork good to go, had everything set up, everything was properly documented, but the welder actually never looked at the WPS. They knew where it was at. Or, you know, I've been into ASME code shops that, yeah, they have a quality program that writes, that's written, and they're supposed to be applying those requirements and they don't normally do because they're written with such a range that covers it. But I guarantee you, you could probably go on a pretty good handful of boiler jobs right now and ask a welder, a tube welder where is your WPS at? And he's just gonna grin at you.
2: <laughs> go talk to the QC guy. Well I, I can tell you this thing. We're we're the largest AT one of the largest ATFs in the United States. We just had our five year renewal I believe it was last year. Five. Yeah. Huh for our ATF um, and uh, they they didn't have any findings with us and we had to go we actually before they came in we we have a synchronizing machine we went through and synchronized all our machines just to make sure everything was correctly and went through all our procedures and make sure everything was uh, up to date and correctly done for uh, the ATF or for our uh, renewal. Yeah. And, and unfortunately
10: I've been in job shops like you were talking about that uh that they have no standard. Every welder goes in and cranks the machine up, some wanna run hot, some you know, and uh you wind up with, you know, some pretty crappy wells. Yeah. Uh and others, the machines, you know, are, are old enough to vote for Eisenhower. They've been around a long time and, and they're out there trying to, you know, run run students with it. Yeah. Um uh, you know, one of the things, you know, pushing is trying to get more and more quality control, and the American Welding Society is pushing that aspect also.
0: Yeah, But, you know, you, you think about it, we, it's easy for us to get up and, and preach on that high horse, but stuff is not falling down all around us. You know, I've made quite a few wells that are still stuck together with, you know, dollar 250s, you know, that are, that are 25 years old. You know, so there's a there's a definitely a delicate balance between overloading a student with new technology, and mm-hmm. high end. You know, I know CWIs that don't know how to write WPS. You know, that's actually one of the things that you know talked about doing here is doing an actual class for how to qual- properly qualify a welder. But there there are many CWIs that don't understand what's required to properly qualify a WPS, and of course would be two or section nine or D one one or whatever it may be. It exists, so for, we can't can't necessarily get a a welding student up to that level unless they're really really interested in it. Then we turn them loose, give them everything we got.
2: But to that case, I know you were talking. You said you were just in Louisiana. I mean, if you'd want to come up to the Hobart and check out the school and see what we have, I'd love for you to come up and check it out. I've been, been
10: through, through your school. school. Hobart is impressive.
4: You know, there I know there are some there are first class operations out there and, and they do exist and they've got all their Ps and Q's. And it's it's what it's what operational excellence looks like when it comes to education, but it's the other the other whatever percentage that is that, that are missing a lot of the tools and elements to make our students successful. Today's industry, they're looking for welders that are more sensitive to welding economics, adding value with every weld and not
2: just fusing uh, two pieces of material together. So. And I, in my opinions, I don't hopefully anybody takes this to offense, but I think there's a disconnect between welders and engineers. If people, I mean, if everybody agree to that because sometimes engineer thinks they're right, but it's actually, you know, doesn't really work the way it should
4: Oh, I agree. agree. Totally agree. There's a disconnect. I think there always has been between engineers and welders. You know, if you uh, put the right size weld in the right location without without any defects, it should give you the serviceability you expect. Yeah. Uh, We, you know, there's even customers that don't know about welding that want a bigger, better weld, but they just don't understand that welding metallurgy and and size now. Well, the correct size weld can hold and, and service your product, but uh, I think economics is another thing in, in mitigating. I mean, the, the lower you can can uh, uh, lower the risk of that weld failing, or leaking, or fracturing in service. Uh, if you can, if it's ten to one today, but you can make it a hundred to one tomorrow by a little bit of education and how these welds are developed and why they're made and why we want you to use optimal parameters, the better off we all are.
0: That that same mentality, though, if it's not properly managed by someone that's familiar with cost control and things like that, can make it where you've got people welding out 8 inch schedule 80 pipes with TIG all the way when they're regular old carbon steel because they think there's better quality there. When in reality, I could take that same process knowledge that I might have about other processes and Throw me a TIG root and then fill it out and cap it with flux core and be done with it in 20 minutes,
4: or use STT or the MD or uh, the Miller Pipeworks and and do it in the half of that,
0: or just learn how to use your regular CV power supply that puts in a great root in regular old short circuit mode. It's been yep. going on for years, you know. So so it's definitely a balance of of cost benefit and. Um, <clears throat> Like I said, applying it to the education level can be different. You know, it kind of depends on what your industry needs right here. You know, again, with mine, we're, we're big into manufacturing here. I worked for community college when I first moved up here and mentioned teaching people how to weld pipe. And that was not,
7: you know, they don't want you don't want
0: that. Because what's going to happen is, is now all of a sudden your labor pool learns how to weld pipe, make good money as a welder. Who's going to fill up those $15 an hour manufacturing jobs? So it's a – again, you got you got to balance – in my opinion, you got to balance the <clears throat> what you're teaching with what's in your area, what's going to put people to work, but also what's going to help those students out that are motivated to keep on – you know, keep on trucking and getting higher and higher. Now my, my biggest money – and I mentioned this in one of the other meetings <clears> – <throat> the biggest money that I've made as a welder, they didn't care what was between my ears. They wanted to know if I could reach in this boiler – Look in the root, look through the root gap and put a root pass in a tube and have it pass x-ray. They didn't care whether I was a sense welder. They didn't care if I, you know, if I knew all the parts of a welding symbol. That stuff's coming handy. Don't get me wrong. It's all good stuff. But the, the big money in welding has oftentimes, unless you become a fabricator or, or an inspector, big money in welding can sometimes be just that ability to set up a machine, operate it, and make it make fire.
4: Amen. Appreciate the invitation, Calvin. I'll try. I'd love to get up there and check it out.
2: I'll send you my uh, email and contact if you'd like to reach out to me. Okay.
0: Well, if that's kind of all the questions we had, some uh, see here's so Let me take control back over here.
9: General, I've got to jump off and go to a division meeting. I just want to say that uh, if any of you have the opportunity to have Mr. Jeffers come to your class and talk to your students, you will not be disappointed. He stopped by Chattanooga State one time and talked to mine, and really, really motivational. And he's mentioned in his address there one time of welding aluminum together. And as soon as we walked out of class and he left, everybody said, Can you weld aluminum? So I had to go and weld aluminum foil together. <laughs> so, uh, anyway I've got, I've got I, a division meeting but I've enjoyed this and uh, I'll be back next time you have one
10: thanks okay, well, I appreciate I... The time out. Uh, at one point someone said they welded a beer can together and I said well I can probably weld tinfoil so I took a piece of rental wrap and made a T joint out of it manual TIG Yep. Uh, cyber, cyber TIG Hobart machine and uh, dialed it down to th- three amps, uh, used a very long, thin taper so the end of the tungsten would get hot and uh, emit the electrons a lot better. Uh, I run mine on
9: two amps, and that, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Jeff. Now I have to weld aluminum every semester, aluminum foil every semester.
0: <laughs> you, guys, you guys ain't doing it right, OK? Anybody can run it on two amps. What I do is I take a large diameter tungsten. I put it on about 40 or 50 amps, put it on reverse polarity with the electrode positive, take the aluminum and sandwich it together between two pieces of steel and run over it like you're not even paying attention to it, and it welds together perfectly. (laughs) It only takes about two seconds to do it because you go over it so quick, but the reverse polarity cleans it up nice. So So I can handle more amperage than you, so that means I'm a better welder. (laughs) We all have our thing. That's right. Well, <clears throat> all right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, you know move on. I appreciate everybody that's that's hung out. You know, we've been here for a little bit over an hour now. A few people are dropping off. One of the things I normally like to go over is the topics from that uh, the form that I ask you to fill out. <clears throat> uh, when I checked it before the meeting, I didn't really have any any comments on there. Uh, let me look real quick. Show my nasty desktop.
6: Hey, Gerald, I'm going to hop off. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Michael, oh, hey, I sure do appreciate you.
0: your time, and, and, and yeah. I'll, be, I'll probably be in touch with you. I'm going to do some numbers and find some creative way to get some electronic versions for sure. All Thanks, right,
4: Michael. That was know. a good presentation. Thank you. thank you. Thank
6: you all. Larry, thank you for hopping on too with us. I appreciate that. All
10: right, Michael, give me a call.
6: Okay, definitely I will. Thank you. All right. Bye. Uh,
10: Y'all still there? I'm still here.
0: I'm not sharing here. i have got the wrong board up. So we'll just—I'll just go through this form real quick. See if anybody's filled it in before they came in here, and we'll just see
10: what kind of questions are on it. Uh, one of the things I forgot to mention, yeah, is whether or not you use my book. I'm certainly more than willing to jump in and give you a hand. I appreciate if you use the book, but I'm more interested in welding education than I am selling books. Yeah, like I said, like, I'm gonna be bothering you again,
0: Larry, because like I said I could probably, I could probably talk with you for a while, but you just got no one to tell me to shut up.
10: <laughs> <clears throat> so I've got the, I've got um, the questionnaire. Go ahead. Not not a problem. I, I enjoy visiting with uh, you know, people and instructors. Uh, I had a student whose welding instructor was uh, given the job. He had done some welding as a kid, came back from uh, Mideast, injured, and the school board wanted to give him a job, and they made him the welding teacher. The student wanted to know how to TIG weld, and the student would send me pictures of his TIG welds, and I would tell him up and down, et cetera. He graduated, he got a job in uh, a motorcycle repair shop, Tig welding, and sent me an invitation to do his wedding after graduation. So yep.
0: uh, I'm willing to chip in. There you go. Calvin, I know you had some I didn't know whether you had some folks join in from Hobart, but I'd like to I'd like to schedule y'all if like I said, if y'all can come in and talk, I appreciate your Yeah,
7: dinner,
2: he but, um sure. he had, Chip uh, Prince, which is our uh, technical director over all of our um, CWI and uh, any uh, liquid pen mag particle classes, any non NDT classes that we offer uh, he was on the call but he jumped off so I don't yeah. know where he went but um,
0: well, it's kind of winding down now anyway so yeah but it'd be good, it'd be good to get some more you know get together again for sure hopefully I won't be as confused about when the meeting times are.
2: Yeah, I'll um I'll ask him for next week if he wants to join in and maybe talk about uh, Cwi, and I know we were I know we were talking about that last week. So if he wants to jump in and you know kind of give uh, a tutorial of the class and how they can go about doing it if they're interested in coming to school.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to just look at this real quick, and this was just kind of the the, the majority of people that are here, and I don't know about now because some of you may have dropped off. Had actually been to one of these meetings before. This was actually the lowest number that, that I'd had in a while, but that's all right. I think there's probably a lot of confusion about when. Uh, but not everybody had been to the Well Dead meetings. So Well Dead has got a Facebook group, and it's called Well Dead Resource Center. And I'll go ahead and post a link to their meeting that they're going to have tomorrow in the chat box. And I think any, you know anybody can go to it. Um, their Facebook group is where they post, they post the zoom meetings. I try to avoid actually posting. That's why it's so hard. I don't, I don't, I don't put the actual zoom link in there because it can go astray, but this is the actual link in the chat. Looks like it added all of the Facebook stuff to it. Sorry. Hang on.
10: I was having trouble getting on. Yeah. Uh, I'm a, Mac person I had to swap uh, search engines in order to, to log into the meeting
0: Mac's got more than one search
10: engine well, well I, I typically use Firefox I got you
4: what you have to use Larry I
10: had to use the, the one that comes with the Mac
2: Safari Safari Huh. Hmm.
10: And if you go to the the um, Cengage website, last week they were having problems. Uh, either uh, Firefox upgraded something, Mac upgraded something, or Cengage upgraded something, but I could get on the site. I couldn't download anything. But I went to Safari and was able to download it. But I've used it for years without a problem. But for some reason, a glitch showed up and their tech people are working on it, try to work it out.
0: So it looks like here's two of the questions. One was how to integrate Cengage content and quizzes into Canvas. Uh, I don't know if the person that asked it is still here. Are you still here? Okay. We have Canvas here, and I don't have, uh, the Canvas does not have the option to import LTI or SCORM objects, either one. But I can get that. But if you have Canvas, you may have to talk to your administrator about, about doing it. The single sign-on I think will work across the board. <clears throat> and that's, you know, that's one way to do it. But I, we have Canvas, I don't use it, I use Moodle. And it's not a problem with Moodle for, for doing any of those things. Next question was pre-made welding or blueprint quizzes that grade themselves. I wish I would have seen that before before I got done with the presentation, but it may have been something that, that he could have shown. But I did notice where he brought up a drawing or something like that. But one of the things that you can do is, uh, <clears throat> is actually make up your own exercises, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit if, if anybody's interested. But one of the things that I could do, let's just say I wanted to, to have a blueprint quiz, is I can do what's called a hotspot quiz. So I could put specific hotspots on a JPEG drawing and ask questions about that and have them click that area, click where the welding symbol that shows a single V groove on the other side is. And, you know, have them click the joint and have them click the symbol, whatever it must be. And that's, so that's one way I can do some do some things with that. Or I could also make a, a set of images up that has the orthographic projection and then put up three different 3D models or isometric views of that same thing and have them pick the one that matches. So this, those things are all doable, whether they're already done in a learning management system. I don't know. Do you do you know if there's anything like that in, in your book, Larry?
10: Well, as a matter of fact, the uh, student lab manual, For the ninth edition, the quiz, the quizzes, and there are multiple quizzes for each chapter have been converted into matching so that they can be computer graded. And in addition to the narrative, I have a large number of graphics where we've taken the call outs off the graphic and asked the student to identify the tungsten, the handle, the uh, machine, the flow meter etc depending on how complex the chapter is how complex those questions are and uh, we have a, a large number of those and we did it so that it makes it easier for faculty to have them machine graded yeah all right Well, hopefully that helped, you know, the
0: the person's probably not here that filled out the response. If I do send out one of these meetings again, if you've got the time, please fill out any questions you got ahead of time. That way we kind of know. So here's another one. Same thing again. Looks like the Cengage content. Is the person from Sweden still here? Got 13 people left. Yeah, I I can't tell by names. I wouldn't know what a Swedish name looks like, to be honest with you. But anyway, this forum is gives us something else to cover. Uh, you know, we've already had over an hour in the meeting, so, you know, I don't expect anybody to hang out, but that's kind of the items that were there. Next. Well, Ed, we talked about uh, – anybody got anything they want to share or talk about what they're having a hard time with that I can maybe – put you in contact with someone who will help. We've had quite a few people on these meetings over the last few few weeks, and some really tremendous uh, people sharing their information. I don't know if Jared is still here. He did a... You still here, Jared? No? But anyway, there's quite a few people that had some really good information to share. Uh, I've got the videos recorded. I haven't found a good place to upload them besides the OneDrive for the school, and they don't like that because they're like, one and a half gig files. But anyway, uh, if you've got something that can help with, bring it up. Maybe there's somebody in this group of 13, 12 that may be able to help anybody. All right. So here's some, here's some thoughts that I kind of went over before, you know, creating useful theory content has been my problem. Uh, I don't, I don't think I want to teach people about welding theory by, Giving them an assignment, here, read this and come back to me and tell me what you know, kind of stuff. There's more to it. If I could, if we could do that with even the send gauge stuff, we could do that and just turn them loose on. Do they even need us? Okay, maybe they don't. I mean, I know that I learned a lot of stuff out of a book by myself, but I was also pretty interested in it. I think us as teachers, we can help motivate them. One of the nice things that I liked about what Cengage had to present earlier and I don't know if anybody saw my picture grinning was the fact that I could put my own comments in their online book okay I could add my my take to it I could put links to some other information for them to me that's a very very powerful way where we can still have involvement involvement as an educator with what our students are learning if we just turn them loose and they don't need us do we even have you know I don't even know if I've got any value besides out there in the shop I got some value in the shop but even that can be limited if I do all my, my welding teaching by looking at their welds and not going out there and playing with fire with them.
10: Well, talking about modifying things, the all the PowerPoints are not locked and they have every illustration in each chapter, all the A heads and B heads reflected in it, which makes the PowerPoints very lengthy, but yeah. it's easier for you as instructors to take things out than it is to put things in. In addition to that, the, there's a library of all of the illustrations from the book. So if you want to pull an illustration out and put it into a quiz or, or put it up you know, on the board or whatever, those they're individual. You don't have to go to the textbook and copy it out. Yeah. You can go to the, the image library, download it, and, and use it. Uh, I don't lock things like that because I know as an instructor, I didn't even follow my own book the same way every time. Uh, different classes have their own personality and and that personality is how they are going to learn and uh, sometimes you have a class it seems like everybody in the class you say something one time and they got it
7: yeah. and
10: then you have other classes where you get a lot of just dead stares and and so changing the pace and changing material I have to do with my own material uh, and I know the instructors have to also and uh, that's what you know. Yeah. It is why it, its why it is how how it is. Yeah, well, I like it like that. I've gotten, like I said, I've got to come up with some way to find the money to
0: to to do them because I've I've decided this is, you know, we've looked at quite a few different presenters as far as their materials over the past the past few weeks, and there's all of them had some good stuff that really got me excited, but uh, and unfortunately, this one probably cost the most, but it's the one's got me most excited. If I gotta. <clears throat> Build barbecue grills over the summer. I'm gonna build some barbecue grills. <laughs> barbecue grills and nuclear power plants. As long as I'm well, and I don't care. Uh, other thing is, is you know, again, learning by yourself, getting students to interact with each other online. Uh, I've got a, a Moodle website that I set up. I couldn't, I couldn't use our Canvas set up very well. But I don't know about anybody's else's experience. But as far as them talking with each other on forums that are, that are closed, I didn't get much luck out of it. But I've I've got 40. 42 students out of my 62 that have actually logged in and participated somewhat, but not much, not much peer participation. And that's kind of where I'm at today. No big deal. We'll go, go forward, but half of them had logged in the learner management system and, uh, and actually done something. And well, 58% of them logged in altogether, but it is known here in our area that nobody's grades going down. And they've known that for a week or so. Actually, some of them have known it longer, and some of them are still locked down, which, which kind of keeps me, you know, keeps me grinning. That's kind of where I'm at. Anybody else want to share kind of what they've done with their high school, with, with their students in general? How's it going with the online learning?
5: Okay. Hello? Yeah. Hey, my name is James Blocker. Um, I teach at a high school. Can you guys hear me good? Yep. Okay. Um, Disengage, we've been working with it for the past – it's been out for a good four weeks. We had it, but I've been working with it for about two weeks now. I'm still new to it, but it seemed like a good program, and I'm still new to computers, so I'm just going to leave it at that far as the computers. Um, me, personally, I like teaching the kids hands-on. And I like them to stay focused with that, but you know the way things are now, it seemed like we kind of got to get a little bit used to it, or me person get used to the computers. So with this engaged program, it, it it seemed pretty good. Um, I got fifty-two students, and I got like about sixteen of them signed up so far. I basically started probably last Thursday uh, with my students, so it's a slow process getting them to sign on. So that's my issue right now. Um, We working with the Cengage and also the Google Classroom. So I'm trying to incorporate all my students right over to the uh, Cengage.
2: what state are you from, James?
5: Pennsylvania. So that's what the welding programs down here in Philly doing, the uh, Cengage. So, like I said, I'm, I'm really still new to this uh, program, but I mean, I, I like it for what it is, you know, far as like uh, getting the students information out there and like going through the book, but you know, it's still a new process. It's just hard for them getting signed up and, you know, doing it, doing yeah. the work. <laughs>
0: yeah as as, well as instructors, I think there's a wide variation in our in our ability itself just to use technology so that can that can be compounded of course when we have students that are coming in and they may have some some difficulties with it. So having a you know an it department or access to them in inside can be pretty good, but it looked like some of the Cengage stuff looked like it it could be pretty easy, but again you got to experiment it first before you experiment with it before you launch it out there for sure. I had quite a bit of problems and I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm pretty computer literate. You know, the, the modal websites are all my own, all that kind of stuff. I had a hard time getting some folks signed up and, and doing their thing. I had to make quite a few videos of click here, do this, click here, do that. And that kind of stuff to, you know, some of them logged in and automatically thought, well, nothing popped up and told me what to do. They never went to the course and clicked on the, the first section for Introduction to Metals. I just thought they were done because I didn't send them a message telling them they had an assignment. I told them to just log in and go look at the class. So there's definitely some marketing some for that.
5: Yeah, it, it just seemed like uh, with this program, they they gave us a, a, you know, a Zoom conference call with it and walked us through it. But when you actually sit there and start working with it, then you'd be like, man. it's a lot to do or, you know, a lot to take in. So if it's a lot for us to take in at some point, sometimes the students get get a little overwhelmed. Um, The the only good thing is, you know, you can uh, present it, you like on Google Classroom and kind of walk them through it. You know, so a lot of my students, that's what I'm doing with them now. I believe once we get back in the classroom, it'll definitely help you know, far as classroom learning. So, that's why I'm looking at it. You know, it's something that'll help once we get back into the uh, the shop and the classroom.
2: So, I'm not in high school uh, affiliate. I work with the with the post-secondary, but I know I come and visit most of you or have visited most of you. Um, if I can't ask, what are your school districts saying and what's what's the outlook for August or September coming back?
5: Um, we had a meeting a, a little bit earlier today the and they talking about like it's different things, nothing then written in concrete yet. You know, maybe having smaller class sizes, um, having seniors come in at from like nine to twelve and then, you know, juniors coming in at a different time. Um they're they looking at all kinds of ways. I think they have so many ideals, they don't know which one to go with. Um, and sometimes they don't even, I mean, not that they're saying they don't take shops in consideration, but it's just like, you know, that work good for academic teacher doesn't work good for us. So sometimes we gotta, uh, you know, throw our ideals out there. What are they saying
2: in Tennessee, Gerald? Well,
0: like we talked about it today, we had a, we had a staff meeting and, and nobody's even decided what's going to be done for the fall. But there's a distinct possibility that they'll go, they call it an A-B schedule where we're just having a certain percentage of students at their, at their academic classes, which is going to throw them into not as much time during the week. So I can – I feel pretty confident that if there's going to be any time cut, it's going to be us. And, and I, you know, I want to talk to the, you know, I'd love to have a hold of all the Tennessee department of education related with CTE people that I could and tell them don't do that. Like when I, you know, when I was in, I was in 10th grade making twice the minimum wage from what I learned in high school, let's not cut this out. We can teach kids entry level or better welding skills here in high school. Let's not throw that away. You can't get, entry-level skills and advanced physics in high school.
4: Hey, Gerald, is that CTE conference going on virtually this summer in Tennessee? It is. As
0: a matter of fact, yeah, I was gonna, and I was going to actually try to do a presentation there for the welder testing and certification. But I, I had talked with, a, I can't remember his name now, but yeah, I think it's going to all be online. It was going to be face-to-face, and I think it's going to all be online, but I'm going to, I'm
2: hoping we'll have some breakout rooms and discussions for sure. Is that the state ACTE or is that the national ACTE? That's the state. Because I know the national one's in Nashville this year.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it is. Yes, so it would be great to do them both. But, hey, I'm going to try to – they'd ask for people to do presentations. I was going to do one for welding instructors on
2: how to, you know, how to test and certify welders and that kind of stuff. But yeah, they contacted me about doing one for the national one. Good What about Indiana, Brad and Kurt? Anybody else? We
8: really yeah, don't know I'm
10: Illinois. A, a quick comment. Diff, welding is different than automotive and, and lots of others. And in automotive, you can have some distance between you and the student. In welding, you've got to get the student's hand at some point mm-hmm. and work with them to make that weld. Our welding booths are not big enough to have any space at all between you and the student. Many schools, the students use common helmets, swapping from one to the other. How are we going to sanitize those? And gloves. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have, you know, completely different than, you know, drafting instructor can stand back and point with a laser and say, you know, put a line here. An automatic mechanic can say, you know, you, on the starter, tighten that top bolt up on the starter. But in in welding, we are a unique and, and our skill training and, and requirements. Yeah. And that's going to be a
2: challenge. And, and you, there's no way around it. Yeah, we've actually taken all of, well, we actually, we have a morning and afternoon shift. We've actually taken some of our morning shift because we have a lot more in the morning shift than we do in the afternoon and taken some of the morning ones and putting in the afternoon. Out of our 345 booths, we're actually doing every other booth Um, so every, we have a a student, every other booth. So that's why we had to expand to the afternoon and take some of our morning shift guys to the afternoon to, uh, facilitate the six feet rule. But you guys are
0: still taking, taking enrollments and and stuff like that now. Yeah. Classes,
2: classes actually start back up Monday.
0: Without, without getting, getting crazy. You know, there's only a few people here. What's, what's the cost for a student to come up there? Let's
2: just uh, for the dollars. structural program, it's eleven four, okay. And for the 10-month program, which is the pipe program, is 19-even. Okay. And we've also added, um, just within the last year, um, we've added electives now. Uh, we now have an aerospace elective. Uh, we have a stainless uh, two-inch pipe elective. Uh, students can now go into the technical side and take uh, the non-destructive testing class I was mentioning. They can take the um, liquid pen and mag particle. Uh, we have a visual and an arc inspection class they can take and the electives. And then the original ones, which I think, I don't know, Brad, if you took this, uh, the pipe layout and the downhill that we have. I didn't take either one of those. But uh, those, those, those are electives um we are actually there are a couple other electives that they're about to come out with there's a uh, uh a fabricating class that they're coming out with and i'm trying to push for an engine driven welding class but i'm not sure if that's going to happen yet You're now, there.
4: you asked about indiana um we talked about smaller class sizes, but today I got a text from my director and they're trying to push another kid in my class, which would make my class bigger. So uh, I don't know if we're sticking to that or not, but we did, our director said that we need to have a plan A and plan B or plan C in case we don't go back in August. So that's kind of why I jumped on today to try to find out more about
10: Partial welding, I guess.
0: So. And that's you know the the stuff that we've been talking about here and in the other meetings about the online learning. To me, it's going to be. I want to I want to get my ducks in a row, so I can say, I'm I'm ready for that because I still got to touch I still got to be with the students, but I can at least give them something that that's that's positive and useful, in between those classes, and still get my value of, of five contact hours or ten contact hours a week out of it. But if I don't have, have my, my stuff together by then, then it's going to be, you know, just chaos like it was this spring. So I'm hoping to, you know, hoping to do something much, much better, but, you know, because we don't know what we're going to do. I mean, I, me personally, I, I can have up to 25 students. I've got 11 booths. I don't want 25 students, okay? But if I just have five or six students, the poor old things are going to be all tore up for me bugging them all the time. You know, because that's not going to be very many. I'll be in the booth with them, but you know, it's, it's, it's going uh, to be interesting. But I'm, I'm afraid CTE is going to be, be put on the back burner um, because of all the, well, just because of the other, other shortcuts or other problems they're going to have in the other classes. And that's going to, that's kind of scares me a little bit, which I'm doing my interview tomorrow. I don't actually have the job yet, so it may not even be my problem. I'm I'm interim till tomorrow.
10: It war- one of the uh, real issues that I think schools face and, and, and we, we get nailed with it is they're reimbursed by feds in the feds and the state on contact hours. And if, if you cut your class down to 11 from 25, you, you're not producing a whole lot of money for the school. And as much as we dis- disagree and, and argue with them over it, it's money it's dollars and cents and if you're you know you're running a program like we are uh in welding you know it's it's uh a loss leader and it's hard sometimes to you know our materials are expensive and we we make a lot of scrap takes take steel at stake prices and turn it into Yeah, that Buy works. it at $0.40 cents a pound
0: and sell it at $0.04 cents a pound. Yep. What a deal.
2: <laughs> one, uh, one thing to look into, we had a teacher's conference um, last summer. Uh, we have one every year, but um, this one got canceled this year. But we had an AWS member come in or, uh, from Miami, and uh, they now have a grant program that you can actually apply for on their website Yep. and uh, you can apply through it through schools. I know Jody, I believe you're out in Illinois. I know you won the Harbor Freight one, too.
8: I did both. I won both of
2: them. Oh, you did? Okay.
8: That's good.
2: Congratulations.
8: I got one, thank good you. One, two years ago, and then Harbor Freight this year. So
0: yeah, that's the, Isn't that the workforce grant or something that AWS has? I should know I'm a section yes. chairman, but I get confused about all of them. But that's a $25,000 grant you're talking about? Mm,
8: yes. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think it was more. You could you could ask for up to, what was it, uh, fifty thousand or something like that, and then they would base what they gave you off of what they determined. You know, they felt like they could provide. For. We
0: had AWS came on here and spoke recently, so I should have remembered all of their stuff. But what was it called? Yeah.
8: Um, my biggest thing is with with everything. If we don't go back into the, the lab next year and we're online, it's hard enough to get my students to look at a book and do what they're supposed to do in the classroom. If it's not engaging, if it's not really, if it's just PowerPoints and a couple of like matching games and, you know, what I mean, it's not going, they're not going to be engaged. Yeah. They're, they're not going to do the work. Um, especially when you're not there saying you're not leaving the classroom until you get it done. You know what I mean? They, there's no incentive. There's no motivation. There's no anything. If it's not engaging, it's.
0: One of the things somebody mentioned in the past that, that I'm hoping I can figure out a way to implement is completing their online stuff, you know, flipping the classroom where they're doing that, the majority of it at home. I know that it's more homework, but shop time is pretty valuable and, and earning their shop time based on what they do so if they come in so what i'm trying to do i'm trying to get two more cameras installed in my shop and if i have six students that did all of their online activities last night when they get here they're going to have to stay for the for the short discussion but they don't have to stay and watch me go over the powerpoint face to face they go out there in the shop and they go to work You know, so that's that's something I'm trying to figure out a way I can get me a couple more cameras. Like I said, because I do have to supervise them in the shop. I'd like to have cameras in every booth out there that, that I could just have, you know, running all
2: the time. But uh, that's so one. What, of you're the- sa- what you're saying is more like a um, um a a gift for them because they did all their stuff online. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If you want to go out, if you want to go in the, out in the shop when you clock in the shop have your stuff done and you're going to have to come in and just ask me questions about something you maybe didn't understand or go through the discussion part of it. But the real presentation, the same thing that I presented online before, at least the same content, but maybe not the same format.
2: You don't have to sit through it
0: unless you watch me click through some slides and, and ask
2: you questions and stuff like that. You know, I would have like, so done that when I was in high school. Oh yeah. Yeah. If
0: I could, if I could have avoided that or, or, you know, back in the time, day when we would get in trouble and we'd all have to stay in the shop, or stay in the classroom, if I could be the, the good student that did my stuff and go down there and work in the shop by myself and have access to all the goodies, shoot, i would be in it then.
8: But what if we don't have shop time? Like, yeah, that's, what if, that's, you know what I'm saying?
0: And that's that's, that's where I think we're going to have to talk to the CTE directors and, and the departments of education. Because if they think this isn't a necessary trade, they're in a they're in a bad way. I mean, that's just all there is to it. You know, we can train people to go to work out of high school. There's not very many academic subjects that you can teach somebody in high school
10: that's going to put them to work when they walk out the door related to that subject. There are a lot of college programs. You come out with a bachelor's degree in psychology, sociology, history. Uh, They are, they are degrees or, you know, many studies or, or some of the other things that, that, campuses around the country offer, uh, there's no degree. Here in Texas, I I worked with the governor's office for 12 years on uh, workforce investment, and, um, you know, that's one of the things that we were pushing, was that there were degrees that students coming out owing, you know, $200,000, and they're a librarian. The best they could make in Texas as a librarian is $39,000 to start with.
2: Yeah, I got. A, I have a four year degree myself, and political science. Never used it. Uh, I uh, was a mechanic while I was in college, and I was uh, doing the automotive route. And um, then I uh, got a call from Hobart, and I've been with Hobart for six, almost seven years, and um, about to get my C.W.I. Cool. and uh, Welded, Calvin. Oh yeah, I, they put me through the whole program cool I, mean, I i didn't pay a dime right i there. came in and worked i know i i first came up to brad's area up in northern indiana and i cover over in uh, kurt's area and i've been up to his school i've been out to Jody's school in illinois and um and uh, i never welded a day in my life and they put me through the program and i love it and i mean i have a four-year degree and i've I've never used my degree <laughs> and and, and
10: uh, i would have students that would come in class i had a student came in and had his PhD in psychology. And he said that, you know, there was just no way that to break into that area. You had to, to do such a long internship after you got your
2: degree. And he said it just wasn't wasn't practical. I feel bad for some of the Hobart engineers that have gone through Ferris State or Ohio State's welding engineering program and they're over Hobart brothers making the filler rods over next to the school. And I mean, I'm probably sure they make a good decent amount, but I don't, I don't think Hobart brothers pays much. Yeah. And for what they went, how much they went to school for. Right. Yeah. You know, when I was
10: working at the governor's office, one of the things that I tried to uh, get instigated and, and we're looking still looking into it as a state is that have the students that come out of uh, public education higher education whether it's two-year or four-year school uh sign a document that would allow us to look at their salary their income tax the first year out and the third year out and if they're not making more money the third year out then we start defunding those programs many of them are french college professors if you've got a degree in in a trade area or you have a degree in chemistry or biology You can leave the college, go make money and come back to the college. If you got a degree in political science, you have a degree in political science. You know, (laughs) I ask if you want, you know, fries with that burger. Uh, And so what we're looking at is defunding some of those programs. The students can still take the course, but they're not going to be funded from the state at the
2: same level. And another thing, uh, Larry, I would look into is because with our accreditation at Hobart, we cannot, because I also work on the job placement side of it too at the school, and I have to help the students find jobs. I can't place somebody in a job working at a collision shop. Yeah, they might be welding, but I can't place them because it's in the collision industry. It's in the automotive industry. Right. The clusters. So that would be one thing in the state of Texas I would look into, making sure that if they do say their salary, they increase their salary, but are they working in that, that field that they got the degree in too? That would be a point to bring up. Maybe. Yeah, that's, that's,
10: that's that's a, that's, there's a lot of caveats that we've been working on that. I appreciate your comments on it. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, we
0: could, we could go on for a while. And again, we've still got, what, 10, 10 people here. Anybody else got anything they want to talk about real quick? Or not even real quick, I ain't no hurry. I don't even have a job.
8: <laughs> so one of the, one of the things that, um I've been trying to figure out is because I'm at a high school, I can, I can talk to the state and they, my high school still may not let the kids back in at the beginning of the year. So, I mean, regardless, it's not going to matter. I'm going to have to do something online, but I've been thinking about buying some like just small suitcase welders that maybe students who have Garages that they could actually weld in, or that they could move them around, so they could get some welding going while they're at home. Um, has anybody had any thoughts on how they might get some actual welding done while they're? At home? <laughs> yeah,
0: I actually I actually blend out my. I've got a, I've got a weld. I've got a couple weld machines, but uh, my older, more wore out one, I've loaned out to a student. I did a little demonstration video a few weeks back about. Tig welding without TIG welding. I showed you know showed that you could put ballpoint pen cartridges in the TIG rig if it's got eighth inch collet, and and presented. Hey, if any of my students want a TIG torch to practice with, I'll hook you up. Uh, CK Worldwide. I just opened up the box. They sent me 13 demo torches of different types. So that's pretty cool. You know they're 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 not working torches, but uh, you know I I put that machine out. But but what I envision in the future if we can't do this is is finding some way to to get a centralized location. And I'm thinking about reaching out to business and industry or somewhere like that where kids could maybe get some socially distanced welding time in an industry because we can't cluster up here as easily. I'm, I'm just hoping that doesn't happen to be honest with you.
10: Yeah, what, to answer your question about uh, welding machines, uh, I talked with uh, a group of investors uh they contacted me and I provided them information i can't be specific on who they are but what we looked at was uh flux core machines you can buy them uh off the shelf from uh any of the uh lowes home depot harbor freight for 200 dollars or so you can buy them wholesale less than that and setting that it's 110 power support power supply, Sorry. and setting that up for uh, students, along with training material that would come with it, and some on-screen time to to look at the weld and talk about what's going on. Then we're also looking at the possibility. Cameras are real small today. And put a camera in the corner of the lens so that the the student could live feed back to the instructor. And so you're not standing there looking at them well, but what you're doing is watching them through the uh, lens and telling them, you know, faster, slower, you know, uh, more, you know, a little more stick out, a little less, uh, watch the tracking, got some undercut, as as a way of, of getting some hands on. Their their concern. My concern is, you can go this far, and that's it. You know, you 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 can only go so far. You know, one process, and unless you have something set up for the student, you're 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 struck with one position. So, I don't know where where they are in that process, trying to put together a a learning package for marketing, yeah. but that that was something that I had some dealings with you know for beginners
0: months ago. for for beginners you know they can build muscle manual the muscle dexterity without arc you know the arc is not there and, and I, like I said I've talked about it before but my the first thing my students my first semester students ever do is TIG weld aluminum that's their very first thing that they do I give them a torch mm-hmm. now this is a this is a rubber torch that CK sent me. It's got a USB drive in it, but he sent me 24 of these. Well, believe it or not, even though this is not the same size as a regular TIG torch, I could drill that out, put a ballpoint pen in it, and let them practice that, and that's actually what I do. You know, well, I've had up to 22 students at one time, and we push the wire around on the table or push a washer around on the table, and we go out there and strike a an arc, and they all, you know, they all make a decent weld. They all run a, a two-inch long bead. Uh, of course, I'm running the foot pedal and I'm talking to them. But there's there are skills that we can build, in my opinion, without actually doing Of course, like I said, I really got to see the fire sooner or later. But with beginners, I think there's a lot of opportunities for building that initial muscle memory that connects my brain to this piece of tungsten or whatever it is right here. Because me personally, I don't have to think what I'm going to do if I'm going to touch myself right here because this, this connection has been made in my head. I put that TIGRIG handle in there. I know exactly where it's going to go every time, but someone that's new to it, they're they're still making that connection. Well, they can build that connection without fire, you know. And luckily, with, with TIG, for instance, they really kind of already got the connection because it's the same muscles they use for for writing. So everybody's really a TIG welder. My wife won't touch the fire, but I'm pretty sure that she could TIG weld the first time if she'd spend 20 minutes with me and and we'd fire it up, and she'd be ready to go but I think there's some options out there for doing it without the fire. The fire part of it runs us into some other situations. If we're doing it as a school, because that's kind of what I was told is what if they catch their house on fire, catch their barn on fire. So, you know, I was pretty much had to talk to the parents of the students. I had on my, like, borrow my machine, but this is, this is completely outside of the, the school operation. And, you know, if, if you could have a, we're talking about the cameras you know I've always envisioned that before as welder certification type booth where you've got cameras mounted and you record every guy's test you've got cameras mounted that they can bring them down that are closer to it I talked to someone in North Carolina I can't remember what the company was 10 years ago about this but it'd be nice to to have that set up for you know training kiosks even if they were portable you know what if you just got one of the the 42 foot or 52 foot trailer set up with six or seven booths in them. And enough separation for, for, for people to go in there and work. And then, Hey, you, you come down here at this time, we're going to park this one at a certain
10: place and you guys can come in and weld. you log in. Actually, there's, there was a project in Massachusetts called project model, mobile occupational development, educational laboratories and they use large trailers set up for a a variety of occupations. Yeah. Uh, And they took them around the state. One of the problems you have in some occupations, like small engine repair, if a school sets a program up, you'll saturate your market around your school in a year, and you don't need any more students. So Mm -hmm. schools could swap a a unit for you repair and trade it for a unit in, in uh, automotive tune-up or trade it for a unit in uh, office uh, machine repair or trade it with someone. And so that was a uh, uh, project that went on for a number of years, and uh, I was involved in it as one of their coordinators.
2: Like, so I, don't, I don't know what the other states are saying, but we we were deemed essential at at the school uh, because we're we're providing people for industry trades yeah. so that's why we're able to bring the students back because we went through the state of Ohio's health board and um they they deemed us essential because we're again like I said providing the jobs for a trades uh, in America. So, I I mean, it's something for you guys in, you know, Tennessee, Indiana, and Illinois to check into.
0: Yeah, I think with us, with.
8: Where are you at?
2: Ohio. Up in Hobart.
0: With us being high school level though, it could be very easy for everybody to look at it like, well, they can just go to community college. They can just go to the technical school. That way we don't have that risk with high school students. So it's got to be very, delicately addressed I think uh, and again so so my ideas is or, or my my thought is, is I want to make my program where I can put students to work I don't want to prep them for community college you know and I'll I'll, I'll get I mean I've, I've actually lost out on a job opportunity once by saying that because after I followed up about why I didn't get called back that was a specific statement I made and the director of the vocational or the, the community college was there in my interview and I found out in a roundabout way that that statement right there pretty much ended it for me.
10: Well, one, one of the problems with doing away with the high school program is that you have high school programs 5, six, eight, 10 that feed into one community college. The community college couldn't handle that number. There are a lot of students that will leave high school with enough skills to go down and get a job at a trailer manufacturer. East Texas has got Big Tech's trailer manufacturer all over. And all they need is someone with minimal skills, willing to sit down and and strike an arc and run a beat. And the high school students are coming up and they're going into these jobs. And they're they're reasonable, hey, well above minimum wage. But if you're looking at trying to replace the number of students that go through the high school programs through community college, that will never happen. Yeah. the Kennedy college is never going to build those many, that many spaces. It's just, they can't afford it. And then you have, you know, like Hobart, you have uh, uh, Tulsa welding school and you got these other uh, proprietary schools out there. Uh, same thing, you know, trying to get the numbers that you would get out of a high school program. Plus there's some yeah. of these students that leave high school and uh, you know, they're going to wind up getting married and they'll just have a low skill job for the rest of their lives
2: we're we're actually non profit okay yeah uh, unfortunately a lot of uh
10: proprietary schools are non profit and they weren't intended to be yeah yeah that
0: i've i've worked i've helped four non non-profits, three non nonprofits become ATFs. oh so it's kind of a again it's it's a it's a it's a tricky thing as far as how the money is handled by it doesn't. It doesn't mean we're all poor and broke. It just means we have spread our money out different than a than a business would. That's that's kind of. If I had if I had the money, Lord, to make Gerald Austin a nonprofit, I'd be on it because it opens up so
10: many opportunities
0: for me to get me some of that free money.
10: I'm, I'm a senior executive board member of a nonprofit. We operate a million and a half budget annually, and uh, I'm secretary to the corporation and senior executive board member. So. Yeah, I'm very familiar with how that works and uh, it's all about accounting. Well, you right. look at AWS,
0: they're not on here right now, but you know, their CEO, they're doing all right. You know, and a, a lot of other people along that line. Nothing wrong with that. It, it is what it is. Gerald, can you put us up so we have a collage instead of just a couple people on the corner? Oh, you should You should be able to. There's only uh there's only eight people here, but there should be an icon on your desktop. I, I do. Shows us
2: all. And then, let me see here if I can. It should, if you go up to where the window screens are for whoever's talking at the top, there should be like a line, a bigger box, and then two boxes on top of each other. Then there's one that has like nine boxes in it. Uh, Look on the nine boxes and you'll see everybody's face. Yeah, and then you can just drag that and make it bigger. Uh, I did, and I, all the way through, I had four
10: people, uh, so my system was not handling anymore. Now I have five, okay, uh, six. Yeah, actually, there's couple folks that got their – they don't have their camera on. Right, I I see that. You know, I I use Zoom with my Sunday school class, and and uh, use it with my my family. We're scattered across the country, and we get together on on Zoom. Yeah, uh, that's what's so frustrating that I couldn't get on Zoom through. Uh, Firefox I do that on a regular basis every Sunday Uh, I just I I got an email from zoom as a matter of fact
0: this morning saying mark uh, May the 9th are changing their requirements for passwords and some other things and other security issues it looks like that their their automatic link will still work like the one that I put in there but there won't be any meeting ideas meeting ideas that you can send out that don't have a password
2: yeah yeah, I saw. I saw that they're updating on the news uh, that they're updating their security software.
10: And there are other platforms that have come online in the last month. Yeah, that rival Zoom.
0: Yeah, there's there's there in the Moodle site, for instance. I've got direct access to one called Big Blue Button. I can set it up on my server, and, and it's just you know it's completely internal. They've got to actually be logged into Moodle for it to work. All right. Well, uh, if anybody's interested, I can show them what this is right here. This is just one of the tools for creating some HTML5 content, but it's it's pretty long and involved. But if somebody's, you know, there's only a few people here, but this is one of their tools for doing a drag and drop into a category. So here's a category here. Here's the different processes I put in here. And those all those these will all show up as categories, and I just drag them in here. Of course, this is just something I threw together to give give my students something that had my flair on it. That was over a over a video that I'd made for them, just talking about different stuff. But again, it goes together. The good thing about it is, is is with that tool, I can make a, a standalone file that I could put on a USB drive and send it to them or I could make it a web page where they could go to it and see it online externally. Now with those two methods I don't get a grade back from them other than if, they, if I put a grade screen on the end of it or I have them do the check answers, you know, it'll show what they've, what they've got but unless I put them all in there it doesn't, so, it, so it doesn't tie to my grade book and my LMS but I can also export it as a, as a SCORM object with just one different click of the button and upload it right into my learning management system and then have it talk to the gradebook. So that's, you know, that's, that's one of the the many tools that are out there. There's too many of them to even talk about, but this one's free. Bad part about it is you've got to actually install it on a, on a web server somewhere, but your school can do that. And there's a whole lot of different you know types of exercises you can make besides just the drag and drop. You can do regular quiz questions. You can do an interactive video where the video pauses and and then a question will pop up. That kind of stuff. But it's a and it's older it's older technology. But it will publish the things to uh, you know other learning management systems. Without you know, the Scorm works across the board. Again, you know, with Canvas it's kind of hard if you don't have that set up by your administrator and there's there's many more of them but this is one i've just got the weldertraining.org website i was able to install this on my website it literally took five minutes okay and that was through my i've got a, a hosting plan i paid 20 bucks a month for and it was literally you know clicking a few buttons here and there and boom it was on so it's not it's not rocket science for the most part you know, so you can add, add different categories and you can add different objects within those categories. Uh, <clears throat> let's see if I had one that was, so here's one. It's an example of a just a text page that goes page by page, click through it. I got some information there for it and I could put audio on each one of those pages if I wanted to. And then here's one of the activities that gets graded. You know, so I just pick the items out of there, and hit the check button, and then it records it to the log sheet. And I could also put feedback on there, but you can see they all turn green, so we know that they're they're good. But anyway, so that's one of the one of the other things that's kind of nice about it. Well, I don't have, I'm not logged into Moodle, but I can also put hyperlinks on the words that are in there. So my Moodle glossary would pop up because I've got tensile strength put in there in my glossary in Moodle. So it pop up and give them a deeper deeper definition of a term, stuff like that. So it's, or put a, an external link to another web, website, the Wikimedia for brittle fracture. Anyway, there's tons of, those. if you know somebody that's, haven't, that's struggling with wanting to create their own content, I'm not an expert in it, but I I can maybe help them out. You know, I've used, in the last three months, I've used about eight different tools, trying them out. And in the past, you know, past 10 years, I've used one or
2: two. Bad part about those is they're paid for. You know, they're not cheap. Have we had anybody from Miller talk about Miller Open Books?
0: Yeah, any, yeah, any of y'all curious about Miller Open Book? It's, it's if you haven't seen it, How many folks have got on here, still?
5: I'm using it.
0: Okay. Anybody that oh, hasn't used it what? at all? That's kind of I put it out there. The kids I, ain't doing much
5: with it. <laughs> I
8: was gonna say, I started to make an account this year and just right before we got sent home. <laughs> I haven't gotten it quite finished up yet.
2: Would you want me to get a hold of somebody at Miller and see if they'll come? We do,
0: we did, a, we did one of our first meetings. We had Miller come on and, and do an open book presentation, but I always do it again. And one of these days, I'll make a video kind of going through it. But but if you haven't used it, the nice thing about it, in my opinion, is the content is very well made. The thing that I don't like about it, and this is just my opinion, is within this learning management system, there's no way for me to add anything that's my personal touch. Okay. This is just, So this would be the same as me saying, here, go read this book, and boom, they come back miraculously knowledgeable in all things welding. Did they need me? Which I still still do that with them. I've got students that are interested in it, and I make it a side assignment. You know, if you want some extra credit, you go do this, or if you're having trouble with this, you go do that. So there's, you know, there's some value in it, but I I don't want that as my sole online learning management system because – I can't add anything to it. I can't even upload a video that says, hey, how are y'all doing today? I hope y'all are doing good. Hope you're excited about as well as I am.
10: And customizing material for me as an author is really important. And that's one of the reasons I leave things open. If there's only one opinion, there'll only be one book in the library, that's mine. Right. <laughs> there, there's just lots of opinions. And there's lots of ways of doing something. You know, like uh, we right movie. way, wrong way, the boss's way. But, but, you know, how do you, how do you teach someone to, to strike an arc? Yes. Your technique, my technique will differ. But the analogy, the analogy I use is your preacher and my preacher talk out of the same book. But if I made my preacher preach like your preacher, he wouldn't be very effective. Or vice versa. Yeah. And so the way we teach and the way we present material has to be customized because we're individuals. And how we approach it, how students approach it, is, is unique. And so I'm all in favor of, of, you know, adding to, deleting from, and changing. And that's, that's one of the things that,
0: you know, one of the things I'd envisioned years ago when I was a, a welding geek, wishing I was a welding teacher full-time, was having a repository of information that people could use and share. No, and I think we've talked about in the past meetings the uh, the skillscommons.org got some got some nice stuff, but a lot of that stuff that they've got on there is comp copyrighted. But I'd like to have like the good thing about the the thing that I've got right here. I can I can share that whole entire object where it can be edited by somebody else, or they could actually I could give them an account on my this website. They can log in and we can work on projects collaboratively. You know, so there's 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 so many. You know, I put a post on the AWS forum. I don't know how many of y'all are forum members. I don't know what the, whether anybody followed up about it, but it was about sharing content. And, you know, if anybody else is creating content, because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a shade tree mechanic at this stuff, okay? It's all just because of my interests and not because I've been trained to create content, but I want to make my own. Not because there's anything wrong with anybody else's, but there's certain things that I don't agree with. There's certain things that I want to really, really stress. Oh, let me see if I can find it here. Anybody creating their own content? So I posted this yesterday in the educators group on AWS forum and one person responded, I think. Looks like I had two replies. But I think one of them was mine. But there's, you know, there's, to me there's ways that we could collaborate with it. All I'm interested in is finding the best thing I can do to teach my students. Sometimes the best thing I can do is just get them interested, you know. And then I could give them, they could just walk back there that I got a bookshelf sitting back there that if I got them interested enough, they'd be saying, can I have this book for a few days? You know, uh, and that's few and far between I imagine, but that's what I was in high school. I was the one taking, you know, taking the welding instructor's book. Jefferson's welding encyclopedia was the most exciting thing I had ever seen as a teenager besides a couple of things that I had trouble with for most of my life. But, but as far as welding went, that thing was incredible. You know, I, I would just flip through it all the time. The AWS welding handbooks, you know, I'd borrow them. He had seventh edition. I'd go, I, I just get them and look through them. There was so much cool stuff in there. Oh, but if we can get some students interested, that's to me, that's where our our value comes in.
10: Is but, but more, more, you, All of that is great, but you can't replace Arc One time. Oh no, no. I
0: mean, no. I, that's that's part of that. That's even where the student going to watch a YouTube video is useless compared to me going out there and grabbing their hands and, and, and letting them feel every time that seventy eighteen touches the edge of that T joint and me telling them, you've got to keep the arc this closer. It's going to undercut. You can't, you just can't do it.
10: When I, a, when I talked to when I to a class and the gentleman from uh, T- Tennessee and uh, Chattanooga mentioned it. One of the things they say is if, you were told before you signed up for welding that there's going to be a piece of red hot metal land in your elbow, your ear, go down your shirt, and you're not going to break the arc. How many of you would have said, I was crazy. Now, how has had that happen today?
3: Oh, yeah.
10: And yeah. And there's, 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 there's no, you know, you can do anything in the world about talking about and t- talking and, and showing and demonstrating and everything. But until that student has that piece of metal, that hot piece of metal, and, and I come home from, from class and I'll double tap the salt shaker on the table before I pick it up. <laughs> just, you know, you know, make sure that it's not hot. Yeah. <laughs> you just get used to it. And as a welder, you get decent. But the only way the student gets used to it is reaching over picking up that piece of metal that was glowing two seconds ago <laughs> and putting it down real quick because they didn't look at it that badly. (laughs) Real quick story on that. When I was
0: in high school, we only had two TIG machines. I welded two pieces or three pieces of aluminum, one-inch scheduling pipe together, and there was only one or two of us that got to TIG weld aluminum. Well, I got done with it, and there was another student there watching me, and he didn't see that it was glowing red, and he reached down and grabbed that piece of aluminum. I was actually building it. It made it into a dog-looking shape, but anyway – he grabbed that thing and it split his hand open like a baked potato right where his seam was that quick. And he looked at it. He said, that didn't even hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Three days later, it was hurting, but it split it open.
10: Yeah. See, when I went to, when I went to high school, we only had stick welding. Y'all just got electricity then and stuff, didn't you? That's right. Just barely had light bulbs and, and gas welding. Uh, you had the I first my, machine. my first experience with wire welding, both feet, it was a uh, constant current machine, not a constant potential, and you control the wire feed and the current with your feet. Oh, wow. All right, and you had wire, and the wire came out, it, I swear it was an eighth of an inch, it wasn't quite that big, but you carried a, a, a molten weld pool, and you started on a scrap plate, pop, 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 pop. and then you'd move over to your well joint.
0: Oh, that's cool. That'd be kind of neat to do that, though. That'd give you some – if you could get everything working, that'd give you some versatility if I could control my wire feed speed and my voltage at the at the drop of a, of a hat. Of course, doing it with your feet might be a little funky, but – Oh, it was. Huh. All right. Well, I've probably run, run on for long enough. Anybody, anybody want to see anything? do anything anybody got any questions and uh, we can, well, sit and talk. I can sit here can sit here talk for a while so
10: oh uh, if, if I didn't want people to call me I wouldn't give them my phone number yeah yeah when I, when I send
0: the I'm hoping I'll actually get this video uploaded and, and the, the chat post and all that kind of stuff up there and some follow-up with it but we'll you know we'll do another one next week and again we can sit here and sit here and talk for quite a while how many folks is here now
8: I was late coming on. Did you guys exchange that information at the beginning or Some like- of it is in the chat
0: box. Uh, if you uh, when you filled out the registration form if you filled out the, the Eventbrite one, there was a question about whether you wanted your email address shared or not. Mm-hmm. People that mark no, I won't be sending them out but I will send out a video or a, an email with everybody's email address that did not mark no and It'll be in the regular CC block, so you'll be able to see it.
10: And my email address is just like my name; it's Larry at jeffus org. Okay.
0: But there, there should be some information in the chat in the, the chat box of different things that maybe some folks have talked about. I don't know how many. You can actually chat, you know, to each other without me seeing what's even on there.
8: Yeah, I don't know how to do the private, but really. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, you just hit that drop. There's like a drop down list there that's got everybody's name in it that's here. Oh. And you can do it. Like you click that. on the, the chat
2: box it. there and then click who you want to send a message to, and you click the name. and Jody, send me an, e- send me an email and I'll send you all my contact stuff.
8: Oh, well, I was just putting mine in because I don't care if you guys all have it. <laughs> so there
0: <laughs> you go. <laughs> the, the meetings, like I said, and I'll and I never. Sometimes I don't get around to it. I'll typically post them on that WeldedInstructors.org website and they'll go to the top and, uh, you know, it'll say how to register, click on the event, write that kind of stuff. I won't, I don't post the Zoom meeting just because I don't want to monitor everybody clicking it and coming in here within public. Whereas the one with Welded, they put it on their Facebook site and their Facebook site is closed. So it's not out there in the general, general public. But if you want to go check theirs out tomorrow, I think I posted it earlier, I thought, didn't
10: I? I I, I believe you did, or yeah, I've got it
0: from somewhere. Yeah, if you scroll up, that's going to be theirs tomorrow at 1 p.m. Those guys do a pretty good job, you know, a little bit more structured than I am, and they probably don't run their mouth as much as I do. And I think they've got some stuff on some some drawings, uh, doing some fab work or something like that tomorrow. And then I'll, I'll send out an email to everybody that, you know, was at this meeting and announce when the one is next week. But it'll be next Wednesday sometime. Hopefully I'll have it straight in my mind before I send it out. I'm waiting for the, <clears throat> for the confirmation from when our next staff meeting is before I do anything. But if y'all don't mind, there was a feedback form. You know, again, I meant to mention it also, but I'm going to put a link in it. If you've got anything that you can you can tell me to do these better, I'm all for it. You know, I've just kind of did this off the seat of my pants. The 16 people have responded.
10: I've got over 120 email addresses. Okay. Uh, I have a large number of email addresses from faculty members that I have had contact with, stopped by their programs, et cetera if you're not objective, I could object to it. I can send them your contact information. And yeah, tell yeah do that
0: if, they're, if they're interested in attending one of the meetings would be great. You know, I, I love for my problem to be Zoom can't handle more than a hundred people. You know, I'd love for that to be the, be the issue. But again, like I said, I've had, you know, over, you know, well over a hundred and some folks only 16 folks have filled give me any feedback on it. I like the negative feedback.
2: Oh, when you send out the Zoom, Gerald, I usually send it all to my, all to the states I cover. So, um, Indiana, Illinois, Tennessee, Kentucky, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, West Virginia, I've, Maryland, Virginia, I've sent them out to all those states, so. Yeah.
0: But if you guys get a chance, you know, just any, any, again, I'm looking more for negative comments than I am. Although you did a great job kind of stuff, I mean, I've just doing what I do. I'm gonna keep on doing it until there's only two people that'll put up with me. It doesn't bother me. Now, you know, if I can if I can pick the brains of some other welding instructors for an hour at a time, mm-hmm. I'm all I'm all for that because it's
10: when I go into a welding program, uh, I introduce myself as a welding retired welding teacher from Texas. My name's Larry. Yeah, and because I want honest feedback, and I have gotten some great feedback that. Uh, I wouldn't have gotten uh my my first book I wrote uh the questions at the back of the chapter I thought they were simple. Students didn't think so. And a student in northwest Arkansas just chewed up and down about the the questions at the end of the chapter and how hard they were. And I said thank you and she said, let me thank you and I said, well I'm the author and she went, oh, I wouldn't have said anything. And and that's what I found Frequently, so I get honest feedback before I disclose who I am. Yeah, uh, you're not Larry that, Bauer, so that that I found out a whole lot of good information about that. Yeah. And the questions at the end of the chapter are not written to know if you understand the material anymore. They're written because to see that you've read the material. Yeah, you don't understand it until a faculty member has gone through and explained the subtleties added the material in there and the depth that you just can't put in a book. Yeah. And so, I've changed the philosophy of the question at the end of the chapter, as, as with the workbook and the uh, questions that are in the test bank.
0: Are the quest- do the questions in the test bank, and we may have talked about this yesterday, do they have additional knowledge, feedback, or just the typical, oh, you did a great job, or sorry, try again? One of the things I try to do on my quiz questions when I write them to use an online LMS is, is even put information in there for the,
10: the questions that they answered incorrectly. The, the, the simulator has questions has, if you pick the wrong answer, uh, it'll tell you that this is wrong and this is why. Uh, not initially you get another try at it you get, you know, then it'll come back and tell you.
0: Yeah. I did a, I did a what, CWI, like I said, a flipped classroom where we met face-to-face, but I would put some kind of feedback in many of the questions that would either, Even if they got it right, it would bump them up to go look at something on the next level or confirm what they, you know, why that's true kind of thing.
10: And, and you and I talked yesterday about how important it is. No matter how valid the weld is, the student hands you, you got to find something on then you can go, see that spot right there? That's perfect. Yeah. Now this over here, you can lose a little work with. Yeah. Uh, if everything you give them back is negative, then you'll lose them. The talking about feedback, though, this is – I have
0: 62 students altogether, and I put this out on the 29th after last meeting. I've had 20 high school students respond back and give me anonymous feedback. It's anonymous. I don't know whose it is. For the welding instructors that I've, I've had contact with 120 of them, I've got 16. So, you know, we can't complain a whole lot about participation. Just just based on that little bit of trivia right there, I, I can't say, well, my students won't participate. Shoot, I know full-grown adults won't participate. No, you just they just want to watch and, and
10: be done. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's all learning. It's, it's like politics. They'll complain and complain and complain, but they won't go vote.
0: Yeah, and that's, this is an ideal place to complain because it's all anonymous. I don't – there's no – it's just a Google form. You go back and complain twenty times, and, and I well, think I, because they're
2: always on their phone, they're not working. <laughs> I was gonna say, they, I think see, I, they see all I, your emails. Yeah.
8: And my, uh, but I wasn't on April twenty ninth, so I didn't. Yeah. You know what I mean, like.
0: And this is actually, I, I need to change that title right there. yeah so it's just gonna be cumulative so if you you know you log in and or, or you don't have to log in, you just click on the form again and do something and it'll come out in the email but it's uh you know it's it's helpful for me to kind of realize you know one of the things that I tried to change this last time was giving everybody an opportunity to talk a little bit more, even though I can't hardly shut up but uh and doing the doing the main presentation first, somebody had made a suggestion earlier uh before they left on the chat, which I think is a good idea to maybe go over the form that everybody fills out or that they're supposed to fill out ahead of time this pre-meeting form if uh, you know right before the meeting 10 minutes before the meeting I checked it I only had six responses. The link was sent out to you know well, well over 100 people. but one of the one of the statements was go over this first. And that way, we would have covered the information about the fellow from Sweden that had questions, maybe while he was still here or she was still here. I don't really know. But that's a, you know, that's a, a tool that I can use to kind of guide the meetings and stuff like that. But it ain't no big deal. We can also just, you know, do the presentations. The the Cengage guy did a really good job. I was kind of, I I've, I've been talking with them, looking at their stuff. And I learned I learned quite a few little things about it, so I'm kind of excited if I can. out how to you know one of the things about it that we didn't mention during the meeting the electronic seats can oftentimes be bought on perkins money because it's not an actual textbook it's kind of stem related that kind of stuff so you may be able to get the the seats through perkins depending on what your state's requirements are so i'm kind of you know my my primary goal Teaching my students really isn't about the academic part of it. I mean, it's important and I want to get it in there and I want my students to be the smartest welders that they have ever come out of a 12th grade shop. But I want them to also be able to weld better than anybody else,
3: too.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be where the majority of the focus is. If I can get them doing doing some online book stuff, you know, then I want them to do it. One of the things I've mentioned before, and like I said, some of y'all may have heard it, you know, I had a job at maintenance in a paper mill. And it was thirty-eight seventy-five an hour. I had to answer hundred and fifty-question test before I got to my first interview with five different people. It was it was a group of five people. So I tell my students that I said, you know, this this book knowledge, you know, we can we can scoff at it, but it can also come in handy someday. But again, when I've made my my best money as a as a tube welder, they didn't care about what was between my ears. They wanted to know about my hand-eye coordination. Amen. I get spirit sometimes.
8: Just out of curiosity, one of the things that um, my school is thinking about if we can do a uh, kind of a combination is split the classes in half and have half the classes come on Monday and Wednesday and the other half Tuesday, Thursday, and then do online on like Friday. Um, Has anybody else in any of the states been, have they like talked about that or?
0: That's what you know they had mentioned something but they called it an a B schedule and right. I think that's what they were they were talking about doing
8: it. I kind of like that idea if, if that's the best we can do to get them into the shop.
0: <laughs> yeah I mean if, if they if for mine as an example, I, I have them for my first semester students I have for an hour a day they, they get five hours a week. So if I could get them for four hours a week and just an hour of book work, That's, that's about what I'm doing now. I mean, I make every one of my classes, we talk for 15 to 20 minutes, whether it's a lab day or whether it's a, you know, we go, we go in the lab every day, but we also talk about theory every day. Oh, what state are you from? I'm from Jody. Oh, Illinois.
8: Illinois.
0: But that's why why I kind of like to have my my ducks in a row for the online stuff. I've got my own that I've been slowly working on and and trying to decide what to incorporate, you know, into my Moodle course. And there's a whole lot of different options out there. But the, the Cengage has got me the most excited for two reasons. One of them is because I can actually add content to what they've got or I can incorporate it into mine. And then the other thing is the fact that our, our TCAS, the Tennessee College of Applied Technology, which has a night class here, that's their same book. So uh, the welding instructor here, you know, he teaches out of that book. If my students were already familiar with it when they got there, then they're going to get to spend more lab time. That's a, that's about the gist of it for the world according to Gerald that I'm going to bother y'all with today but like I said I could stay here and talk for I told my wife i would be home about five thirty for dinner so I got another another hour or so William what about you how, how's your well since I Jody and William you guys both teach high school is that correct yes yes how many students do you have William I I teach uh, two blocks of three hours and 16 per class. How many booths do you have? 17, 18. Okay, what about you Jody? What's your ratio kind of
8: like? So it kind of depends on the year, but I generally start off with about 20 to 25 in a class, Um, but I have both um, welding one and welding two in the same classroom, and I have two block periods there, um, an hour and a half each, Um, but I have
0: uh, twelve booths. That's that's so. about what I've got. I've got I can have up to twenty five students. I typically the most that I've had in any one class was twenty two, and I've got eleven booths, and then I've got you know one oxygen settling station, and I've got a another machine that's kind of set off that industry. You know, donated a a, a pulse a Miller continuum. You no, know, no, it's one of the, their previous one before the continuum. But anyway. So I've got limited spots. I've got to double up.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Is there anything that you got that you do to to stress how important that art time is to students? I mean, I I, I do, but I was kind of wondering. You know, Jody probably more than William. Um, you get two high school people in a booth.
8: Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I try my my biggest thing is figuring out who my lazy ones are and pairing them with strong right. welders who want to weld because then. They kind of push the the weaker ones. Yeah. One of the, oh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say putting two lazy ones in a booth together, all they do is talk and draw inappropriate things on. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh,
0: one of the things I thought about doing, you know, I thought about art timers, but it's gonna be it's too expensive. Now where I taught before I had XMT three fifties and the Miller X72 wire feeder, what it was. So I could actually get data off of the machine at the end of every class. So one of the first things I do is preach to my students. I said, I taught adults. My most productive adult doing MIG welding was a 35% duty cycle, or 35% production factor is really what it is for a welder. And I said, that was the that was the guy that never went out to take a break, never come out of his booth unless he ran out of material. And that was me providing him about 15 T-joints or 10 T-joints already tacked up to weld because that was what I did with, a, with a, it was a MIG only class. I would tack them stuff together during the day. So when they came in, their assignment was to make me five single pass fillet wells and I would look at them. And then we would use the remainder of the sides to, to do the rest of the class. But anyway, what I've thought about doing in here, because I don't have I don't have access to arc timer on the little Millimatic 252s and the Dial-Arc 250s, Putting a light sensor in there and, and wiring it up with what's called an Arduino, which is a little microcontroller that can be programmed to do different things. And one of those things could be to just recognize the bright light, and maybe have it set up where, or put cameras in the booth at x thousand dollars pop, but have it set up to where it would, would monitor how much arc light time there was in each booth, and see who the winner of the day was and who the loser of the day was. A suggestion to really respond good to competition even the ones that weren't good welders I've had maybe one out of a group of 20 say I, I'm not comfortable doing this I don't want to put my weld up here on the table and have everybody grade it and I, I they're anonymous anyway I said well we go we over everybody's and you'll see where yours goes
10: Gerald yeah uh, one of the things that I did I used an induction coil around one of the leads yeah put that to a relay and then I bought uh alarm clocks not the digital but the old type that you could set the dial manually and so you'd set it at 12 o'clock you hook it up to the to the coil and you come back and see what time it was if it was two o'clock and it was three o'clock they welded two-thirds of the time they did two-thirds they were smoking they're smoking and so you could you could easily do, but to find those alarm clocks today is just about impossible. But what you're talking about, rather than have a light sensor, what you can do is the induction coil and the induction coil can fire a relay easily. You just need enough wire wrapped around it to to pick the signal up. But it just works on the
0: secondary side or will it work on the
10: the power draw over the
0: AC side on the, on the input power? Um, I put it on the uh, output.
10: Yeah. Because that was the easiest place to to get it. I can do it on the work lead that way. Yeah, <laughs> just wrap it around the work lead, and it the the disadvantage of putting it on the primary side is it's hot all the time, and you can get a, a lot of yeah. arc on time. That it's not really arc on time. It's just you know induction yeah, you loss. Have to in be it, able to and filter it change. down between the amperage draw or something. Yeah. So you just crank it around it, and if it's not welding, it's not reading. Yeah. But that's one of my, my problems I'd, I'd had with with the
0: fact that I've got less boost than I do students. Double them up is nice if they, if they work good together and give each other feedback and help each other. Man, it's awesome. But when it's, oh, we're going to both go out and cool our metal off at the same time, whenever I walk by one of those booths and I don't see the fire, it makes me want to say ugly things. <laughs>
3: One
8: of the other yeah, things is my second year is I tend to make into, um, I'll make one of them the you know shop manager for yeah. each day or whatever. And so yeah. they're kind of learning those leadership skills as well as helping to keep make sure that the others are staying on task. Because When you have 25 of them or 20 even and one instructor yeah, <laughs> to, my and you're trying to help work up your down, they're just getting into everything. Yeah, my ideal number, and again, I I
0: did workforce training and community college stuff before I did this. This is my first high school class. Was seven to ten tops, beginners was the most I could handle and keep them on the same learning curve as far as developing their core skills and that kind of stuff. Once it got more than that, I couldn't I couldn't spend enough time with them. Now, once they get advanced or they get a little bit higher skill, then I felt kind of comfortable. You know, just, yeah, just go do your thing. I didn't have to go out there and touch their hands and see what they were doing. We could communicate enough to where when they did, they, they brought me a weld and showed it to me, we could talk about it. But in the beginning, my, my and I've told my students this and, and adults, if you go to a beginning class you've never welded before and your teacher's telling you what to do by you bringing them a weld, and I may hurt one of y'all's feelings, okay, there's only four of us here now. But if, you, if you're bringing your weld to your instructor and you're just beginning and he's telling you what you've done wrong, you've been robbed. that's just all there is to it if you're not going out there in the booth with a student touching their hands seeing what they're doing seeing how they're they're prepping they're preparing their place to rest with their body you're doing them a terrible disservice at the beginning so that's very time consuming but now when they get advanced of course like i said they can bring me bring me something and show me some undercut and i can say well it's you know either your arc length was too long and more than likely that was it because it almost always happens or you know You're running your 332 on the settings that you had for one-eighth. Did you not swap them over? Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. What polarity? Yeah. Oh, I've walked into three college welding shops in the last five years and heard people welding with 7018 on electrode negative You can hear it when you walk in. I said, did you know your your folks are welding on the wrong polarity? No, it's on reverse polarity. I said, reverse polarity means the rod's positive. Well, yeah, that's what they're on. I said, no, they're not. Oh, well, let's go look at it. I said, all right, let's go look. They'd flip up the cover on the machine and sure enough, it's on electrode negative. So it always it always kind of hurt my feeling when I realized that students had probably been putting up with that for quite a while.
10: that that do a bad job for cutting thin metal.
0: Yeah. Uh, hey, the uh, a sixty ten on straight polarity, it does a pretty good job on root pass. Even though AWSA five point one doesn't say anything about it, it's a DC reverse polarity rod only. You put one of them on straight polarity and, and lay it in there in the, in the groove, it'll do a pretty good job.
10: Well, I am getting to a point where I have another meeting coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had another meeting come up a little while ago. Uh, I've enjoyed visiting with everyone and look forward to hearing from you, and I will see you next week, I hope.
0: All right, man. Have a good one, Mr. Jeff. Hey, it was great having you here. I said I'll I'll be bugging you again. I could
10: could talk more than
0: we probably should.
10: Uh, One of the things that I've really had a problem with with AWS, and I just finished a book for them, um, Fundamentals of Welding. And uh, one of the problems I had is I said, they said, Weldon teachers, they're all energetic. They're all this. I said, no, they're not. The ones that come to your courses, the one that come and talk with you, they're the good instructors. There are instructors out there like the ones you just talked about that didn't know which polarity was on what. I mean, you can tell that when you get out of the car in the parking lot just about yeah uh, there are a lot of instructors out there. They're good old boys, but they're, they're not, Welding educators and those are the ones that AWS needs to be talking with and working with and it's not
0: even it's not even their knowledge Larry you know because I mean it's not, I, you put me in the right industry and in the right group of people I know you got to go I'm an idiot okay you put me on cross-country pipeline trying to train train a kid how to burn a 316 7010 downhill I'm useless you put me on some other things I can help them out
10: I, 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 I grab that grab that stinger right by the end put my finger on the rod and and just work it.
0: Yeah, but there's a guy on here that mentioned using his SA200 and showing people how to use it. I told him, I said, I, you know, and I I wasn't joking with him, I'd like to have a pipeliner come by my shop and show me and my students at the same time some things about, because that's an industry I've never worked in. I've been welding for 40 years, but I'm not worthy to go out on a pipeline job as a helper, to be honest with you. Number one, I'm too old and fat, but number two, that's not an industry that I've worked in, so there's so many niches that we've got to learn about but to me, the thing that really brings an instructor down is the old retired guy that did 20 years somewhere, and all he's ever done is this one thing. So not 20 years is the same thing. Else. That's the dangerous instructor because their excitement's not there. You guys are obviously excited because you've not spent over two hours talking about this stuff. You know, so um, that's that's a dead giveaway.
8: Well, and I would say a lot of the high school welding instructors. Like I only worked in the industry for about three years and it was all mid welding. So basically I taught myself stick after I became a welding instructor. I taught myself TIG. And so, and then you've got your um, ag teachers who just fiddle in welding, but they have that in their background. So they get pulled in to teach the welding class. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, most of us are the teacher before me went and took a summer welding course before he was thrown in to teach the welding so i mean most of us don't have the the knowledge that a lot of people who were in industry for years have and and it's trying to not just teach yourself but also teach your students and if you've never used code and don't know anything about code how do you really
0: well, you just one. call me if you've ever got any questions. I'll just tell you that. But that's one of the things that's great about these meetings, in my opinion, because I'd always – that org website, I've owned that domain for 10 years. I just – because I always wanted to to be able to get a group of welded instructors together. This thing here has been kind of my – because I want to pick their brains, not because I want to share all the, my stuff with them, but I want to pick well, their brains. I think it's funny
8: when I get onto something like this, I'm amazed at the wealth of knowledge that you guys have. And I have a, a round table we try to do with the welding instructors in my area and they think I'm the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I go, nah, I don't really, but they know less than I do. So I look really intelligent to them and then um, I come on here and you guys seem very intelligent to me. So it, it works.
0: <laughs> Just think how this would be if we could do it together face-to-face and actually weld. You know, yeah. that's- That's what I wanted to set up last year in Virginia. I was working for a nonprofit up there. But I'd love to do that this year sometime where we actually got together and met at a shop. We did some of the the regular talking stuff about the theory or whatever it may be about how we do things. But also go out there and, you know, the one guy that's a a jam-up Schedule 10 stainless steel welder, let him go out there and show you how to walk a cup. The other guy that can, you know, can set up and run a flux core gun with both self-shielded and with dual shield, and I'm not talking about the Hobart or the, the Hobby Lobby, or not the Hobby Lobby, the, the, the home-use type self-shield. I'm talking about the T8s and stuff like that. And let that guy show you some things. You know, let, let the right. guy that can, you know, lay out and cut, a, you know, cut bevels and make a, a branch connection on a pipe in 20 minutes that looks like it was done by, you know, machine. There's so many different skills that we have as instructors. Like I said, I've been in 40 years, and I've just touched the surface of this trade. You know, you you put me in the right group of people, and I'm a, I'm a non-skilled idiot. And the, you know, you 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 know, that's why I like teaching
10: the ninth graders because they think I'm something. I, I appreciate everything, and looking forward to seeing some of you tomorrow, and definitely be back online next week. All right, Larry, have a good one, man. All right, take care.
8: How do I get out of here?
0: Hit that. Leave the meeting.
8: The corner there's leave the meeting. <laughs> so move your mouse
5: down the bottom corner. Yeah, wait, right. bottom right.
8: corner. Bottom.
10: I don't have any on the right corner.
8: Well, they, Did you they move can move your
10: mouse. That on a Mac.
0: If you move your mouse cursor up and down, there should be a pop up bar that will come in. I or even.
8: Um, who has, I can, Doing. I can
0: throw you off the meeting.
8: There you go. He's gone. So there's a meeting tomorrow. Is that what you said for well so that's, dead?
0: That's well dead. So I, I think I'm still sharing. I'm still sharing my screen, right? Yes. So there's a, a well dead Facebook group okay. called the well dead resource center. It's a private group. You can request to join and, and I'm on it but they they, they'll post their meetings right there so i've actually posted the link in the chat box okay okay so if you go to the chat box and scroll up that'll be it and it's at one o'clock tomorrow looks like they're talking about whatever s-p2 is and their online curriculum and also mate precision tooling talking about press breaks and bending and i said i'm going to try to make it but there's a you know, there's definitely some good information that's shared everywhere. It's not as much – they do a better job managing the meeting than I do, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Uh, you know, they, they get in there, get it done, that kind of stuff, whereas I could probably – like I said, that was one of the complaints on the feedback form was going on too long and they had to leave, but you can leave at any time, so – but they're uh, – their group right there I'll put a paste up. I'll put that in the chat box too and I we'll have an actual link
4: okay guys I gotta take off
0: hey man I, I appreciate your time I appreciate you hanging out with me and 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 talking for a little bit for sure like I said I'll I'll, I'll put a recording up of this once I process it and uh, you know it'll be available but again it's pretty long to sit through and just watch again but it's kind of fun to let it play in the background you can just listen to it while you're driving thank you uh, all right thank y'all you good, you done too jody yeah i think so okay like i said y'all feel free to email me or whatever if you got questions and, and that doesn't mean i know them but i'll put you in i know people that know people that know stuff
8: oh that would be good i could use all the people that know things <laughs> that's right I, i'm not i'm not too proud
0: to again there's lots of things i'd like to have some help with so Sounds have a good, good one jody
8: you too bye-bye bye-bye